and welcome to Beyond the Pixel Episode 6. I'm technical designer Luis Fernando Sandrun, and joining me as always, digital artist Ken Ha. Yo, what's up? I'm doing good. I just sliced through that intro just <laughs> like a shadow warrior. <laughs> like, like a shadow warrior. Oh, also man. sliced through my finger, but you know, whatever. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, straight up. Was like before this, cooking? when I was making food, just cut my finger. Oh, I, I did that once, um, like trying to cut tomatoes. And I actually oh, no. passed out. <laughs> really? Like, I, I was shocked. I think it was just shocked because I was like, I, I almost cut through half of my finger. Oh, and then crap. I stopped. And then once I started the blood, I think I was younger. And then I didn't realize, but I guess I get squeamish if I see my own blood. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I was like sitting down and I had to like steady myself because the world got super, super wobbly for a second. <laughs> oh, no. That sounds rough. Yeah. I've had that happen to me uh, when I when I banged my elbow once really hard on the wall and like it swelled up like an egg. And, and I was living with my parents at the time. This was this was a while ago. Yeah. And I and I came to my mother. And I'm like, I think I'm gonna faint here, right? You know. And she's like, Okay, okay, you're gonna sit down on this couch. And then she went. She made coffee and they gave me coffee. I was like, Here, have this coffee. I'm like, I can't have coffee. Why are you giving me coffee? <laughs> like, no, I'll make you feel better. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Didn't pass out, but it was it was close. That was the worst bruise I ever got. Um, man, speaking, speaking about violent bad acts, <laughs> bad bad violent experiences. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about our first subject of the day. Yeah, what uh, we got lined up? We got we're gonna we're gonna go through the Devolver Conference. Few mm -hmm. games announced mm -hmm. there. Big games, indie games. Uh, you mm -hmm. want to go through all of them? So we're gonna go through all of them. Mm -hmm. um, afterwards, uh, don't really inter too interested in talking about. You play forward, but there's some games there that have uh, some concepts I want to talk about, namely Cyber Aesthetics. I'm interested in hearing what is your thought on like that and how, yeah, and how mm -hmm. that's usually symbolism of, of rebellion and, mm -hmm. and you know, taking it to the man and like breaking <laughs> down barrows and putting power back in the people. Yeah. Uh, but they're used by really big, huge corporations themselves who would kind of yeah. be the opponents to this sort of ideology so i'm interested in how the art side of that influences as a creative yeah. for it's you kind of ironic a little ironic i guess yeah uh and then uh i want to spend some time talking about open world games and open world design since there's there's a lot of those that are going to be happening now and yeah. forever in the future uh like assassin's creed just like got announced assassin's right? creed yeah. uh, watchdogs uh, mm -hmm. yeah watch cyber, dogs. Cy cyberpunk and uh far cry 6 as well oh yeah going that's forward. right it, yeah, all of these are open world games 6. uh they have always been here they mm -hmm. have changed in some ways they have not in other ways and i want to talk about that and personally yeah. what i feel is important in an open world game uh so you know once again an opportunity for me to talk a lot about emotions and game design <laughs> <laughs> i i i i have some opinions about open world games too but excellent I'm, so i'm looking forward to getting into that a little bit later excellent <laughs> but first um, off yeah, first off, so uh, let's get into Devolver because I, I was talking to you about this earlier and I, I was saying how I really don't know how to feel about this, mm -hmm. this whole uh, Devolver Digital uh, Direct they did. Um, I guess the to summarize it to, uh, at first, Devolver Digital, uh, they're a publisher, right? Or are they yes. also a, they're, they're a publisher, yeah, okay. So They're primarily the, a publisher, I don't think. They have a number of developers that work with them. I'm not, I do not think they develop their own games. 
Yeah, I think each of the games that were at least announced in this direct have their own little studios, whether or not they work super closely with Devolver themselves. Yeah. But a yeah. crow team might be owned by them. Yeah, 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 maybe. Um, anyways, that's just to say that they have a history of doing quite unconventional um, conferences, which th this is this is the tough part for me is that there are some things that I do love about the, the whole digital direct that they did. Um, and then there's some things that I didn't. Um, so to summarize the whole thing, um, it essentially was a parody on the whole E3 hypeness. Um, so there's a lot, of, if you go to like the next frame, there's a lot of um, imagery and skits about a kind of um, megalomaniac marketing team that's bound, kind of like a, like a superhero parody vibe in that the, the marketing teams and games are just trying to create hype and it's a hype machine um and so their whole direct was a play on that in terms of i guess it's a bit hard to describe in that way because mm -hmm. it's a fake hype direct in which they announce real games that they are have been working on or the studios uh, have been working on um and so the things I liked about it, the things I don't like about it. So that I was conflicted because my initial gut reaction was I, I really, <laughs> I, I was really turned off, and I still kind of am turned off. But um, what was what was your opinion? Did you did I you hear anything these, about I this? I haven't seen I haven't seen these press conferences. I've just seen yeah. like clips of them, even way back when yeah. they were when we were like making like film reels out of like mm -hmm. people's heads and brains, like very <laughs> very very blood focused. Yeah. Super uh, which makes and... which makes sense for 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 the body of games they usually put out when you consider Serious Sam and Shadow Warrior yeah. and uh, yeah yeah I feel like I the cheesy the aspect of it kind of like lends it to to sort of the humor that the games they choose to publish yeah uh, uh sort of represent they have a very it's it's uh, schlocky you know it's schlocky borderline aspect yeah yeah like um uh a, a bit of a chung and cheek humor to it mm. um so. There's a couple of things about the Devolver Direct. So the whole thing is that they're parodying the idea that companies these days are putting so much money and effort into making their like games look really hype. And we talked about this the last time we did uh, that Sony conference. I was saying how so many studios took themselves way too seriously mm. and uh, tried to make like a really epic seeming trailer, even though the content they were showing was not doesn't match the scale. So mm -hmm. it's like having Lord of the Rings music while you're watching SpongeBob. You know, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't match up exactly. Like, oh yeah, the music's great, but that's not the problem <laughs> that we're facing. And that's uh, so like I like the idea that they're really gonna have fun with it. My problem is that um, it's ironic that they were making fun of like hype marketing videos that like are trying to overshadow the games that they actually play. And then they make a kind of they try to make a viral video that essentially takes over all of the occupation of what like you're, you're supposed to be thinking about during this direct, which is the games. And it switches it over to the marketing side of it, which is this video that they made. And my first problem is, OK, so, you know, I'm, I'm a big film person. Like I mm -hmm. like films. I'm a big cinematographer, like cinematographic. I don't know. Cinemophile. Fan. Cinemophile. Um, I also love comedy. And it hurts me that I think that this doesn't make a good comedy or a good movie or a good skit 
Like it was just very like B B level the entire way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was schlocky. But the problem is they're trying to make a like C level parody. Like it's so bad. Like Red Alert cutscene levels we're talking about here where like the mm-hmm. actors are practically porn star actors <laughs> trying to act in a game. But this is like their 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 execution was uh not terrible, but the writing wasn't very on point for me. You feel and like it felt- wasn't earnest? Potentially, I think it was very earnest, but the problem is that is it. I, I also think they were kind of full of themselves in terms of um, how much effort, how, like how much importance you think that I care about your marketing efforts are versus the what I care about is your actual games. Do you know what I mean? It's like saying, like, do you a feel publisher, some of it is deserved though? Uh like deserved considering as in, how success how successful they have had in the past. Well, I, I would say that it makes sense to me that they would try something like this, and I like that they tried something like this, but I, I, I still think they've gone too far into the point where it's like, if I was a... Like, I am a Devolver digital fan. I love the Serious Sam franchises, and, and I'll, we'll talk about the games specifically after this, but I like the games that they announced. But the, the whole Direct, if you go to that video, it's mm. two hours long. <laughs> it's two hours long. And there's four games on this list here there's that you There's four games you on me. this list, and... Five. They spread one premise, the idea that you were going to be like this fake hype marketing kind of joking kind of mach- machine, us versus the man, man versus machine kind of thing. But they spread this one premise over like like 10 bits, right? Like, so if I'm, if I'm a fan of comedy, if you're here for a stand-up, word, which is how they kind of like presented it, it was very much one person on screen or another person they're talking to. You can go to the next frame if you want to get an idea of what we're, we're talking about. Like, these kind of things in a movie, if you want to have this frame, you want to have two people talking, and that's all you're going to show for, like, a 10-minute part of the movie, these people need to be giving speeches that are written by gods because it's so boring to shoot a film like this. No one would have shoot a film like this. Was it like this for 10 minutes? They they pretty much go, like, this frame back and forth between a single-person cut and, and like, a dual-frame cut, maybe. There's Mm -hmm. – and very loose props. So, like, I'm not here to criticize this on a movie level, right, (laughs) because obviously this is a freaking direct, right? But my problem is that you expect us to be captivated for movie lengths, but you don't respect the medium that you're – well, they didn't respect the medium in terms of the – execution and time frame that you're talking about like that we were kind of put through because i wanted to know about the games but i didn't want to sit through a live event which is like 45 minutes of these skits before i get a commercial which was the actual trailer the commercials in between the events these skits were the trailers Mm. so Mm. yeah i guess it's in a way ironic and maybe that's part of what they were trying to do is spoof the idea that you know, the whole thing is an ad and the ad is not supposed to be great or something like that. But mm. I, that's all I wanted to see is I wanted to see the trailers. And if you were to Google right now, the digital direct, like you have to you have to get websites that will cut through the video for you and tell you what it is that they were trying to announce. Because mm. there's so many people. I My whole my whole thing is that I think that they ended up hurting themselves more than they helped themselves. Mm. I'm not sure what the production value for the whole thing is, but a two-hour-long video is it, a pretty long and expensive process, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And and to me, it's like it seems like it's it wasn't really worth it because I don't see the hype that is was generated by it. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't have the statistics, but to Did me, I see mostly positive on on it. Well, I think that the games that they announced were actually 
like for the most part pretty strong strong games um mm-hmm. but like it like i said maybe it's just me maybe it was it just rubbed me the wrong way but i gotcha i personally don't want to see i like i'm already bored out of my mind at most of these directs that any company gives like besides the games that they're announcing i think nintendo does it actually the best they show a lot of trailers they have a little speech bet- of you know the the developers and they show gameplay and they they run mm-hmm. it through pretty quickly mm-hmm. and they're 26 but, minutes long like at max right yeah they're very short because they do them quite 26 often, 45 right? yeah yeah versus like how long how many have we like how many cringe fest conference announcements have we seen oh in our lifetime? there's there's so ooh. many <laughs> there's so many right so i guess like if we're talking about <laughs> if i'm stacking this up against all of the cringiest ones like this one, yes, it's not as cringy, but it is just as boring to me because you're making me wait just as long. Mm-hmm. And I sent you a video earlier, and this is may- maybe the reason why. Yeah, I the cruise liner so video. Yeah, there was this video. I was on a cruise recently, and then they wanted to show us a video of like how to perform safety measures on the cruise and where to go in cases of emergency. But they stretched this this instruction video, which could have been like a minute long, into like a ten minute fake James Bond thing where we had to like follow the plot for a bit so that we knew what like you had to follow the plot to understand the safety rules and Mm. while they were showing this plot they would keep complimenting themselves like they would talk about oh and then the spy just has to break into the uh five-star bedroom that has complimentary like drinks and like refrigerators i'm like oh my god this is so like annoying that you can't just like give me the information i want in a fast way you have to you you feel the need that like you need to dress it up for some reason. Yeah. And the whole the whole medium and the message becomes like the medium becomes more important than the message. That's what really annoys me about the Devolvo Direct was that you know maybe it's maybe it's in my own head, but I just I see a team of marketers mm-hmm. who were who who were had this massive budget they were supposed to blow on E3 but couldn't or whatever it is in the conference and said how can we make the games or this announcement as special as possible but because they're marketers they just do what they know how to do which is put a marketing video it like together but i think that really misses the point of marketing in which you're supposed to showcase your product to the best um in the best light but you know the it shouldn't be about the marketing Mm -hmm. it should be about your product right so that's what i have a devil's advocate argument uh, against this if you you can humor me Uh, yeah please uh because you you know about Devolver Digital, I know about Devolver Digital, mm-hmm. but how many Devolver Digital level publishers do you know about? Like Team mm-hmm. Seventeen versus mm-hmm. Evil, those mm-hmm. are the ones at the top of my head that I can think about. Yeah, I, I know very little. I, I can't I, I can't name lie. like uh, Tiny Build as well. Yeah, like yeah. that's sort of the level of publisher. I can yeah. name a few games from those. Like Tiny Build is is is. is because their icon uses the uh, no time to explain guy like i know like oh they they started with no time to explain and and then they went on to publish a bunch of other games but i can't i, I really can't think of my yeah, I, I can't think of it at the top of my head but i think devolver digital i can tell you shadow warrior i can tell you serious sam i can tell you westerado double barreled uh duck well, game right and is, is your is your um uh, insight that like oh it at least helps them get their um studios like better known yeah for, for better or for worse even though i haven't see for me it's weird because i haven't seen these videos yeah yeah but I, but they're I, but they're but they have they must have a good enough marketing team that i i know a devolver game like when it when it when it when it's announced right and when i see devolvers appear at the end of a, a 
at the beginning of a game i like know like oh okay this is sort this is going to be this sort of game it's going to be weird it's going to have like an interesting art style it's maybe going to be a little bit stripped back and focused (laughs) you know i would i would almost argue that um it it did the opposite and it, it put more emphasis on the the digital the devolver brand name more so than it did on any of the individual studios mm-hmm. even though they highlight i don't know if it was actually real because the whole the whole problem with giving sarcastic studio uh uh fake interviews and stuff like that is that i didn't know if some of the studios that i don't know were actually real studios because they have they cut to some real looking mm. like people but i don't know these studios in the first place and you just sat you just you directly cut from making fun of a bunch of fake studios to now like like to a real one so I wasn't really sure um, and all I can think of is that this whole production I wish that you they would have spent the money to put it into a good trailer for those games that they announced because the trailers that they showed I think were actually quite weak mm. just as, in terms of a trailer standpoint they showed they, they weren't able to show a lot of gameplay they weren't able to show a lot of features most of the stuff that we saw we had to guess as to how the game plays until mm-hmm. afterwards Let's just yeah. let's just get into the first game and then maybe we'll be able to suss it out a little sure. bit more. Um, oh, so the first game is Shadow me. Shadow Warriors. Um, have you played Shadow Warrior t- one and two? I've played Shadow Warrior one, not enough to finish it, mm-hmm. uh, which I I don't understand why because I really like that game. <laughs> it is is it, it? I didn't play the first one, so I'm going off of purely uh, my the the trailer for Shadow Warrior three. Mm-hmm. Has it always been a kind of serious Sam like? type game yep um, even even original uh shadow warrior way back in the day the 2d one was mm-hmm. sort of a doom-esque fast-paced du- duke nukem yeah attitude uh a lot of right. dick jokes <laughs> uh but but with but with but with like a like a western western interpretation of what uh, a ninja would be right yeah <laughs> you know yeah. yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah the ninja fantasy that the western uh, side is taking to yeah um so, so it, it was definitely and the uh and the revival of it the one that we were the genesis of shadow warrior one two and three was was a first person um shooter and sword fighter melee game but it had a lot more going on under the hood. For example, there was different special abilities you could get with your with your katana by doing uh, almost Street Fighter like input on your keyboard. Yeah. You could make whirlwind was that slashes. Was Katana Zero? Or, or, huh? Was that Katana Zero? What? what game are you talking about right now? No, Shadow Warrior One. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah my mistake. We yeah, can okay. talk about Katana Zero another day. <laughs> that game is fantastic. People thought that, that was going to be announced early on. Katana Zero Two, <laughs> yeah, they were saying. Well, they were hoping. They were hoping. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, back to your point. Um, so for Shadow Warrior, did you like Shadow Warrior One? You said you did. Like right? I said, I got to maybe halfway through the game, and and I was really enjoying it. But it's mm-hmm. the kind of game that also gets kind of hard, and is yeah. also extremely long. Mm. So I think I just lost the, the the train of it somewhere along that point, and then. Uh, I ended up buying it again on PlayStation 4, and I started playing it on there because I had a weaker computer, and it looked nicer on PS4. Oh, Can nice. you believe that? <laughs> this was how long ago this was. That's just a test of it, how weak your computer was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a very weak computer. I was playing Shadow Warrior 1 on my PC at work because it was better than my PC at home. Um, if you but, go to the next slide, there's some uh, 
gameplay uh, shots of it. So a little bit of gameplay shots. So um, the gameplay element seems like they've really stuck with the whole guess gruesome shooter little bit to it. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing I kept thinking for um, uh, these the two first person shooter games that uh, were announced, which is uh, Shadow Warriors three and Serious Sam four. Mm-hmm. I guess kept thinking is that you guys are behind the eight ball after Doom Eternal. Like Doom Eternal has such a high watermark for this type of action game because it really I think it's a very similar type of action game, right? Mm-hmm. Like um almost like an arena shooter deathmatch but single player style, right? Mm-hmm. With kind of over the top gore and very arcadey like action. But man, Doom Eternal was so good. And it mm-hmm. added so many mechanics that were built off of um, the, what, 2016? 2016 Doom. Yeah. yeah. Doom. Like, I wanted to know, I think that these the, the Shadow Warriors 3 and CSM 4 maybe aren't aren't going to be able to keep up, uh, at least with the gameplay footage that I saw. Did you see the Shadow uh, Warriors 3 gameplay footage? I did. I did. Okay. So it's, what did it's you hard. Think? It's hard to tell. Uh, I'm going off my experience with the first game, and I, mm-hmm. like I said, I really want to go back and play that because I did feel it was smarter than it mm-hmm. lets itself onto mm-hmm. because you have three different systems for how you manage manage your I think it's your key that they use. That seems like something so your that, mana essentially, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um to have like powers that can push enemies away. You have your sword abilities, which are the Street Fighter like combos that you can put in. Yeah. Uh and then all your guns have different upgrades and different alt fires and use different ammunition. So it has a sort of juggling Mm-hmm. systems that, like that Doom 2016 style? would have. Yeah. Not not juggling like like physically juggling oh, I see, but I juggling see, yeah. as in your abilities wh- yeah. what you're doing at any given time. Yeah. Uh even before Doom 2016 came around. Doom 2016 made it sort of a cycle with how it works with your health. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think the the elevation of arena combat shooters sort of began with with shadow warrior i i I don't think that's too bold of a of a claim well it did seem like they made some innovations because like doom after doom 2 was quite quiet for a very long time and even Mm -hmm. doom 2 wasn't that much of an advance no i'm talking about doom 2 i'm like even like if you think way back oh early shoot oh i see one right and then doom 2 came out which was an advancement more in levels than it was an advancement in gameplay because the gameplay mm-hmm. was almost super exactly shotgun. the same as one different cannot, shotgun right cannot forget about the but super then, shotgun but then you know there wasn't it wasn't around for a while and then games like um shadow warriors and quake too like they they kind of evolved that kind of genre and then doom didn't really step back into the into that genre until doom 2016 right with doom 3 being more of a horror style game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so I, I it it does seem like Shadow Warriors had its place in the stepping stone of developing um, the arena type shooter. I I didn't my my main concern about Shadow Warriors is that I didn't see very many movement options besides one grappling hook kind of uh, technique that they mm-hmm. did, and mm-hmm. then that seems to me to be the main one of the biggest evolutions in um, most FPSs nowadays is that they've all learned to incorporate movement options because they realize movement can be a lot more interesting and fun mm-hmm. um right so i i was a bit worried about that but i the way that the monsters that were being shown it did seem like a more puzzly than say serious sam which is just just waves and waves of monsters there's and a puzzle do... serious sam we can talk about that later okay yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah i meant like a um, monster puzzles as in like 
you know, when you play Doom Eternal and you get certain combinations of monsters that spawn, mm, you have to kind of mm. deal with them in a very specific way and you have, have like a priority of what to kill first, etc., etc. That's mm. what I kind of possibly see. Um, in the trailer, they really had only a few instances of something that was kind of unique, which was the spinning blade kind of death or like environmental hazards, which seem to be interactable with um, a kind of rope shot that you have. Mm-hmm. Um but I, 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 I th- and this is my problem. I wish that they would have spent all that trailer time and, and you know, audience time on the game because like, I want to know what are the mechanics of this game. Are they gonna? Do they have mechanics to show off? Right? Like, or mm-hmm. is this just another elaborate cover up for, <laughs> like, you know, what marketing's always done is if you don't have gameplay and it's not ready yet, you can just make a cinema cinematic for some for yeah. someone right this so, is due out in 2021 though right yeah like it's got, it's a bit far away yeah yeah so that's probably I, that's... I can definitely see i can definitely see them building up because again i need to play shadow warrior 2 i don't know how they <laughs> built on that systems but they are yeah. very well rated yeah and based on my experience with shadow warrior 1 mm-hmm. you're right there are there wasn't a lot of movement options there, there you mm-hmm. you at most had like a like a one of, one of these uh like a sidestep a little right. dodge yeah yeah um but nothing in terms of of grappling hooks so i feel them including it is 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 likely an indication that there's a move into that sort of direction but again without them straight up telling us maybe it's written in an article somewhere Mm -hmm. there's a lot of these games that i've been that they put out an article that says all describes a lot of the gameplay that is just not shown or only hinted Mm -hmm. at in the trailers yeah so there might be more more info there to glean one thing I like about Devolver is that they do seem like a studio that handles other studios well publisher. in terms of or publisher yeah, yeah that handles studios well in terms of the feedback because like the games that they that are coming out of their studios are very um, I guess I would say non run of the mill games and you need to have like a good relationship with a publisher for that to happen I think I think mm-hmm. publishers tend to push towards uh, you know more common lowest common denominator type projects. Um, mm-hmm. but then, yeah, this is all just to say, like, I want more time on their games though. Cause I, it, all the questions that we're asking, like, it seems like I just want to know more about that or, or, or nothing, right? <laughs> like, like uh, rather than, cause like right now, like we have to look through articles to even find information about these games. Cause mm-hmm. it's very difficult to sift through like a plus two hour video to get where we're like 5% of it is actually information on the games. Mm-hmm. Um, you watched the conference. I just want to make sure mm-hmm. on this. Did they also talk about Spirit Fair? Is is that them? Spirit Fair? I don't recall hearing them. I might have missed it because sometimes the, the conference jumped in and out and I had to wait for... So essentially I wasn't able to watch the full two-hour <laughs> two conference. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I looked up uh, afterwards to see if any of all the games that were announced and I didn't see that game. What, never mind. Wrong? Sorry, sorry. It's that. That's okay, that's it's that's okay. more Don't of a. That's it. more. That that's not devolver related at all. Never oh, mind. Okay. I just thought it was. I'm my, my um, bad. The next game <laughs> they announced is Fall Guys. Um, we go to the next screen. So this is hilarious because we were just talking about battle royales, and I was like, you mm-hmm. should combine different genres of battle royales is the next step, and this is mm-hmm. essentially the next step. It's a, a platformer. The next screen will show a bit of it. The, it's a platformer, massively multiplayer battle royale type of game where i sent i think like six up to 60 maybe more maybe 100 um people get to go into one match and then you're essentially playing a little 
Mario type game, but with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, My friend is great. stupid excited for this game. This game looks a lot like a lot of they, fun. They got into beta <laughs> access for this game and they were playing oh, yeah. it and they and they and they love it. They're it, it seems like an amazing streamer it. game. It seems like a, a great stream streamer game. You know, if you had like a an a little audience and you can just get your entire audience in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen the game Marbles? No. It's essentially I have not. A, a a Twitch base game where the streamer can like people can put in individual marbles and play themselves in the in the game oh wait a minute i think yeah. I, I think i know this is, is it you're trying to eat all the other marbles um uh, i think it's i think there might be that mode maybe but um the one i saw was that they were trying to go through like an obstacle course and uh whoever gets to the end is like the winner or something like that oh no no not what i was thinking about Interesting. But oh, interesting. This game looks like a lot of fun. Whoa, they, like, I'm getting Trackmania vibes from this. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's kind of like it. Yeah, it's kind of like a time trial style um, game, Marbles. But yeah, Fall Guys looks very similar. Um, and then they have a lot of cute customization options. Like, this seems like a great, simple Candy Crush vibe game that kind of might be Whoops, able to appeal this. to everyone. Oh, yeah, that's the next game. <laughs> um so this is like this is I'm this kind of game encompasses the types of games that I love Devolver for. These like I assume this game is going to be less expensive than an $80 game. Like they yeah, they're kind of known for Steam giving right like, now. It's they're 20 known bucks. for like giving for cheap cheap good value like little games, which I which I love. Like you know, Serious Sam isn't the big Doom Eternal type of game um even for what back then, but it was a cheap game and it gave you that deathmatch feel and they gave you a lot of value for the for the game that you actually paid for um mm-hmm. and this seems like it's, it would be a, like another one and you know this the style is quite different than <laughs> digital Dev- uh devolvers like super gruesome style i think it would have mm-hmm. been actually hilarious if they went super bloody but kept this cute style like it was like as as tongue like raises as their, hell <laughs> yeah like if it was as tongue in cheek as their their um their their direct tried to be i think it would be hilarious but this is very very pc and I, I can understand why i think they're trying to this seems like a game that is meant for you know you to play with your girlfriend or your parents or your family or whatever it is and much more easy for everyone to get into than say fortnite <laughs> yeah i have i have nothing i have nothing against this sort of aesthetic i don't feel we need more violent stuff in mixed in with our cute stuff. I like, think like, it's, yes, uh, like, I yes, think... like, yes, like, yes, <laughs> like, yes, it's funny, but also I feel more games that more people can, can play comfortably with a wider variety of people is always good. Yeah. Yeah. There's, no, there's nothing particularly wrong with it. Um, anyways, I'm excited for that game. Um, the next game, carry Next game is, is, is tapping to the other this. side of me. Yeah. Which is so very much into that, this? that sort of aesthetic. You watched the trailer for this as well, I, I oh, assume. Yeah. yeah, so this is really interesting. Um I've been the premise for this is essentially like is that you you play as some sort of flesh eating monster, is that right? Yeah. So you play as a sci- uh, like a science experiment that has escaped yeah. and it is just <laughs> teeth and tentacles and <laughs> horribleness incarnate. And I you are like a, looks um... like you're making your way through the lab to escape. As you are consuming everything in your path and growing larger and larger. Super interesting. Like, it's a cool different take. Like, almost like you're playing the boss character in these Mm -hmm. Metroidvania-style games instead. Mm -hmm. It'd be cool if you can take different, like, forms and stuff. But it seemed like the gameplay is, like, (laughs) it's, it's like, uh, Resident Evil meets, like, Katamari or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, and this game also looks really good. I I have a special, like, 
soft spot in my heart for these pixel like quality pixel art 2d games mm-hmm. and metroidvania type games so mm-hmm. this one is like right up the, that alley like i said like these cheaper games that look like they're gonna this one's probably gonna be like 20 bucks or something like that it's so it easy is 20 to drop bucks. and drop uh, 20 bucks on, on this and it'd be so much fun and oh it's on Ga- xbox game pass Ew, yeah <laughs> so, is fall, so is fall guys also on game pass oh that's gonna be really so, good for yeah. them that's gonna be a that's well that's gonna really blow up then if it's on game pass damn i hope so okay. yeah um, so Karen looks at this next game looks also really good. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Olija. Oh, here's just a little, little more shots. Of oh yeah. There's little shots. Yeah. 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 So the next game is also a pixel art type of game. Um, I thought it was Ouija at first, but I realized that was an L. <laughs> Olija. You seem um, to have a problem reading titles, Ken. Maybe a bit dyslexic. <laughs> this and that far, far sales or not far sales. <laughs> I already forgot the name of that other game from <laughs> PS5. Um, so this game looks a lot like Sword and Sorcery from the, yes. from the screenshots, right? Yes. It looks a lot like Sword and Sorcery. But I, I saw... Did you watch any of the gameplay for this? Uh, I saw the trailer. So um, the, the that, combat that... looked really interesting, actually. It felt like it felt like it was actually a lot more in-depth than your typical pixel fighter. Con- there was like um, some ninja S stuff going on where... Your character would do takedowns and um, like uh, the combat. There's a critical uh, blow like component to it. Yeah, yeah, and it looks really smooth. So I actually, because the my only problem with some of these uh, pixel art uh, games of the past, not necessarily like Sword and Sorcery, is that um, I was the the action seemed to be a little bit slow. Like I was worried about Sword and Sorcery itself was a pretty slow game in general. Um, yeah. So this one seemed to take that aesthetic, but really seemed to be able to amp up the gameplay a bit more. It, it feels I, like I it moves like, fast. Yeah, you know? it seems like it moves fast. Which, a little bit more snappy. Which had the op- which had an interesting effect with me, and then I had to almost watch the trailer multiple times because I yeah. couldn't really understand what I was looking well, at. Yeah, I, I it, kind of it, agree some with of the you, action yeah. got got lost a little. Yeah, because you know, pixel art—you don't have a lot of pixels to showcase what you're doing, so you kind of have mm-hmm. to cheat a little bit. You know what kind of reminds me of what was that um, that that's that platformer that you showed me uh, a few episodes ago where it was a Japanese like assassin, but half of the day is French. Actually him living. Um, uh, w- French, he was a French yeah, assassin. Yeah. Uh, arrest of a stone Buddha. Yeah, arrest of a stone. It reminds me of but just the action part, <laughs> just like the action part, and then they distilled that part down. You um, mean there isn't the- going to be a twenty-minute sequence where I'm just going around and getting coffee? Hey, maybe there is. Like Sword and Sorcery had that kind of slow sequences, so maybe this one will have it. Yeah. But this one looks really good too. Like I, like I said, the 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 games that they were announced were really interesting. They didn't get a chance to showcase too much of the gameplay here. So, mm-hmm. do you There's know a when this one right now? Out? Oh, is the demo? Do 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 we know when the uh, announced date supposed to be? I'll look it up real quick. No release date that I looked at because I I saw a website saying like, and it's out now. I'm like, what? I should look at this. <laughs> Well, I'm it's gonna, coming to buy the this. Nintendo Switch, which is kind of a like, kind of really cool, actually. Devolver I, seems to really like putting stuff out on the Switch. Even their back catalog is on, is on Switch. I think Shadow War is on Switch as well, which is impressive. It seems to me that they're like a publisher that um, kind of specializes in efficient, low-budget types of projects. One mm-hmm. of the things that I kind of noticed from the Serious Sam team, because I played Serious Sam VR... Um, mm-hmm. Which is their overhaul for all of, like Series Sam's one, two, three. You can play it completely in VR now. Oh, so so is it not 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 
not the uh, wave shooter one, but the no, actual not the wave overhauls. They, they converted their full games over to VR. Yep. And what I've always noticed is that, like, in their conversion, they gave us, they gave the player a lot of settings and a lot of options, and they mm -hmm. really executed the, the conversion of their games, like, like really, really well, all the way down to like, you're able to customize how far you have to pull the trigger on the Vive controller for a really? bullet to come out. Interesting. In a in a game like CSM where you're shooting a lot, you're 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 pulling that trigger probably like several thousand times the, mm -hmm, <laughs> per playthrough, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, so that was just the kind of I don't know. I I I love that they were always giving you really good value for your projects, and so it, it was. I, feel I saw like that. That's, in, I feel like that's more of a praise for for Crow Team and their engine that be. they developed, yeah, because that uses be. the, the their their own proprietary Sirius engine. And if you ever go digging into their uh, video settings. Uh, they have a plethora, like a it's massive yeah, amount amount of options, all broken down between. Here's what what's going to hit your GPU. Here's what's going to hit your CPU. It's true. And then yeah. here's here's where where uh, where your RAM is where your RAM is going to be managed. Yeah. And then you can tweak all those individual settings to like oblivion. Yeah, it could be it could be uh, um, an aspect of Crow Team. Actually, you're right because they do have really good settings. Like it's. I feel like it's kind of lame to talk about, but I really appreciate the options that, like, that's why I play PC games, right? Like, in mm -hmm. the settings make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, the last game that they announced, unfortunately for me, I think is the weakest announcement, not because I don't love the Serious Sam franchise. It's because mm -hmm. the gameplay that they showed was, it felt like the same as Serious Sam 3. Um, I didn't see anything particularly new. And like we were talking about, you know, with Doom Eternal kind of shifting the bar so heavily in their own game, like I want to see more improvements. I think I love Serious Sam, but I don't think that Serious Sam Three could come out today and compete. You know what I mean? I don't think Serious Sam could compete when it came out back in twenty. It was it was already it was a little behind back then too. Yeah, there they was were a little behind. Yeah. I I I. There is a version of Luis inside <laughs> of me that will always show up for a Serious Sam game. Mm-hmm. Me too. That is me not too. the logical and critical thinking version of me. That is the. That is the I played so much of Serious Sam one and two, mm -hmm. on. And and I have a very near and dear relationship with just quick paced shooters like mm -hmm. Quake, mm -hmm. um. Quake and Doom and yeah. and uh, Unreal and Serious Sam Unreal Tournament. Yeah. And so seeing those types of games still having that quick movement and and wide open fields that you know, the core problem that you're trying to solve is not so much where you are taking cover and recovering health mm -hmm. by staying still. It, it's by managing your ammo, the types of enemies you're facing, the quantity mm -hmm. and having to deal with that problem in that sort of way and knowing yeah. there's nothing else for you to fall back on. Yeah. And that you have to make sure you're quick saving all the time. Yeah. Go to like the next that, frame for a second. This is the game. Yep. That's that's sort of that's sort of for me always gonna be near and near to my heart, but I didn't finish Serious Sam 3. Yeah, me neither. It felt because Serious Sam 3 felt exactly the same. It felt so similar. It felt to it felt even slower in some cases. Yeah. And I think part of the problem with that is when I think of Serious Sam, I'm I started thinking about the later levels in in that game. Mm -hmm. Uh sort of in, in Serious Sam 2, when you go into a temple and you fall into a pit, and it's actually turns out it is a bungee pit. So you're <laughs> bouncing up and down all the time and then they start putting the kamikaze 
guys. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. just start coming out, and you're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the entire time because because they're oscillating. Yeah. And, and that's the serious Sam bullshit that I like. I like it when you turn a corner and like mm. it's quiet, and then suddenly like the just that that music that starts like, oh, <laughs> starts playing, and all these people are rushing down at you, and you're like, fuck, yeah. backpedaling. Yeah. Behind, I like the, the series Sam that has the 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 song called "I Hate Running Backwards." <laughs> it's that sort of stuff that I enjoy yeah. about series Sam. But yeah. there was I got halfway through that game and I haven't really gotten into the point where they started doing interesting things. That there might mm -hmm. be good stuff for, down the line in series Sam three. They might get there eventually. I haven't finished it. I started yeah. playing it recently. I I want to finish it and see if it gets there before series Sam four comes out. Me too. But they gotta, I, they gotta hit that creativity early. They gotta do those interesting levels. I feel like they're they're trapped in their own nostalgia right now. If you mm. look at the monsters that they showed in um, Series M Four, they're all callbacks. They're almost all callbacks except one monster they showed at the very end that looked like a Doom Three demon or Doom Four. Yeah, demon. the big, the big Final yeah. Fantasy Titan esque yeah. gentleman. <laughs> yeah. So, and my problem is like, yeah, that's great that you've that you want to bring back some of your nostalgia but look at what doom did like they brought up all they brought back all of their old bosses but they changed and they included a new mechanic in almost every single one of their bosses yes one of yes. them which i thought they really should have put in this game was the idea of pitting weak points in some of your monsters especially the big ones in this one here like they all they all look like they're just bullet sponges and mm -hmm. and it the graphic there wasn't any innovation in the monsters, and there wasn't any innovations in the guns. That was my biggest disappointment. And then, like, you have to pick one, right? There has to be some sort of... Like, Doom did both. Doom did innovate their guns with mods mm -hmm. and different, like, you know... The yeah. best idea in the world with the, the freaking super shotgun chain, which is... Oh, my God. Just the best mechanic in the world. Um, I would I would have loved to see something that really emphasized, like, you're talking about the differences in this type of shooter versus Doom, which is wide open planes and i want more like napalm strike weapons and different weapons that might be able to play around with reshaping damage on the battlefield rather mm -hmm. than your simple point and click like uh ray trace gun shooter right you see here there's a shotgun and then the other shotgun they showed was the barrel shotgun but it looked like it did the same thing just looked mm -hmm. like they just upped the damage number or something like that up the damage number increase the recoil yeah. Sorry, not, yeah. there's no recoil in Serious Sam. Actually, <laughs> no. wait. Did they no. put recoil in Serious Sam 3? No, there's no there's no recoil, but there is bullet spread in some of their guns. Yeah. So the recoil would be like as the, you shoot it more, the worse your, your spread gets. But no, there's no there's no additional spread, at least in the old games, maybe. In the old games, it, definitely not. I think in Serious Sam 3, the assault rifle had recoil. Oh, you, you might be right. You might be right with the, the, the assault rifle. Yeah. Um... But that was a the, weird game because it had all these conventional weapons in this unconventional game. That yeah, it had it took a it while a until you rifle. got the cannonball, the, the nuclear cannonballs back. It, this is the my the kind of epitome of the mistakes that the series is going through right now is kind of summarized in the fact that they had a a sniper rifle in their game at all, where you can shoot one bullet and kill one dude if you hit the right spot, but it takes like six seconds to shoot and you're in a game where you're fighting like a million things do you remember mm -hmm. this it was just yeah kind of they like, added it in serious sam 2 uh, sorry yeah. in a the second encounter not serious sam 2 yeah that's a bad the, game the, <laughs> yeah so like the it was it was kind of like oh you're missing the 
the uniqueness of your game right now and, and maybe that's maybe they're going through what doom went through with doom 3 and that they kind of they're trying to go in a different direction or they just don't know what really that made their original games as fun and then they'll yeah. co- recorrect themselves in the next series i'm really hoping so because i do love the franchise and i think there's like plenty of room for much less serious like wave shooters um especially if they were they were to do some sort of co-op with this kind of mechanic i think it would well you know their old they games have a have, ton of co-op like their old across games the always series had co-op, I, but I, I don't think even series games... sam 3 had co-op as well yeah i i i mean like i don't feel i didn't feel that their serious m3 the game was developed for co-op because it was essentially you just mm. did your own thing and mm. then you know one person might die if the waves got too many too much but it wasn't like there wasn't anything to play off each other you know Mm-hmm. Um, so I would hope that they would do something with that, but unfortunately, my most excited game for the conference was my least, um, you know, uh, my least impressive game, which was Serious M Four. But maybe they'll sh- show more footage. I'm hopeful, uh, but from what I saw yeah. so far, it wasn't. Quite Don't you also have enough. like a motorcycle in this game? I-, I saw some shots of that. I do remember something like that. Is, it, is the idea that this? Because uh, previously, this game was called Serious Sam for planet badass i do remember that yeah I guess, uh, did, and, and was the it? idea that it's going to be a, like a larger world or i remember that they had some initial announcements but it, the trailers that they showed were essentially the same i don't remember seeing any particular like space stuff well maybe he was in a spaceship i think that was why he was in a spaceship i'm just yeah. more wondering like is this also another level based game or is it mm-hmm. or, or is it something that you're just going through arenas and, and levels a little bit more seamlessly not open world don't can you imagine if they made world. serious sam in an open world game uh, so I, upsetting. Don't, <laughs> I don't know how uh. yeah no i think i think i would want to see i want to see some innovation that's all i can really say if it's serious sam 4 is kind of like the same linear progression bar as serious sam 3 it's not going to do it for me. I think yeah. I think games have changed now. Everything is so everything is um, so much more advanced in terms of movement and options that you can't get away with that kind of more mm-hmm. basic shooter. Yeah, I, I feel if I feel if at least they add those zany levels that they got into towards the end of mm-hmm. the second encounter, mm-hmm. um, I would I would I would be at least happier even if everything else stayed the same. I would like to see sort of that creativity in those yeah. encounters literally yeah appear more even if they keep the same content the same mm-hmm. i i can stand with i can stand with that to me that it doesn't was... need to be like a big doom overhaul but there needs to be that something going on in that level that like just yeah. catches you off guard and it's i don't so know hard. if they're more reluctant to do it because the game looks a lot more realistic now quote mm-hmm. unquote just with mm-hmm. the lighting and the brightness the city in in serious time three felt more like a city it wasn't like a like just a random castle or, or yeah. pyramids or temples or, or weird fantasy Euro faint yeah. Scandinavia town. It was like an arena that you, like every time you went into a level in Serious Sam 1 and 2, you were like, this is an arena. <laughs> yeah. Versus like in the third one, they started to push it to more like maybe this looks like an uncharted level kind of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, this, this actually feels like a town, not just a, a, mm-hmm. a bullshit gameplay zone, yeah. which is which is kind of really what i just want like i yeah, don't need seems like i don't need I that from them... this game i need yeah. it i need it i need it to be crazy stupid you want them to spend the resources in the parts that count and the realism of your their environments is not in their strengths <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah anyways almost... that's pretty much it for devolver digitals and now... oh sorry there's one more i totally missed if you go to the next slide 
Yep. So this is <laughs> what they is made this? An, they made an entire game. Yeah, sorry. This is me like side. They made an entire game <laughs> as a part of their parody is that there's a game called Devolverland Expo where you go into a spooky rundown carnival style Disney World but it's all Devolver games. Okay. Um if you go to the next slide this is this is their tongue in cheek in terms of com- combining marketing and their idea of like a playable trailer I guess I don't know this whole, this looks way too good <laughs> it's 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 arguably the most realistically lit game in their entire franchise that they showed like entirely um it is a from what I saw a very basic stealth shooter type game where you there are just robots roaming throughout this little um abandoned uh, uh carnival type like space mm-hmm. and they have different areas like a serious sam land and like um a fall guys world etc and then you can like unlock trailers for the games that's how people would find out about the games when they first launched. They they launched this this Devolver Land, and if you beat the game, you get to see trailers for Fall Guys and Shadowland Raiders and mm, stuff like that. Mm, mm. That's I hate cool. I hate the whole thing. I hate the oh. whole thing. I'm sorry. People, that's a, that's I, no, 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 no. Your your opinion is completely standard because everyone online was like, "This is great. This is like revolutionizing like marketing." And I was like, "I that hate this fun. whole goddamn thing. Do I don't want to play. Ken? I don't want to play an ad." I don't want to play your like the only game that I can think of that was a good game that was an ad was this old Burger King game that they included in like this PS one game that they included in your like happy in your Burger King meal and it was like a Mario oh, Kart like racer Sneak King and yeah the yeah, yeah Kart and, King or and it was or it, it was legitimately Mario Kart's best competitor on the on the PlayStation because <laughs> the PlayStation had like shit Kart games compared to like Mark like Mario Kart right. So that's the only game, that, and that was like a complete accident. <laughs> this game, like I like, it's they spent they spent the time to make a whole game. You know how much effort, you know how much effort goes into making a game. Can't this that effort have no, gone Ken, into No, Ken, I've never made a game, game in my life. <laughs> like, oh my god, I'm sorry, uh, I'm so frustrated because this game looks good. It's very impressive in terms of its look. It looks realistic. There's a style to it. They obviously de- designed this whole like amusement park. But one again, though this reinforce this reinforces their brand and their games. It's it's you know well yeah you're 100 right. But it's so obvious that they're trying to do that. Like it's not it's 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 like you're parodying it, but you're not. It's like someone saying, "Hey man, like isn't it so funny that that guy there is scamming you all your money? Give me ten bucks and I'll tell you why he's scamming your money." But I'm like, "You're just scamming me now. Like you're making fun of these guys, but you're doing the exact same thing to me. It's 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 it's, it's ironic, right?" <laughs> so. Like, cause think about it. It's it's a marketer's dream that you're playing a game, and the and the reward you give for your player is an ad for another game that you have. Mm-hmm. That's that that's 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 their dream, right? And to yeah. me, as a player, I'm like, this is a disrespectful to the genre of stealth shooters. This is disrespectful <laughs> for the idea of a game that you. <laughs> and the problem is, like, if they really went ham on this, and they went like, oh, this is like, um, you know, the carnival from it. And like the it monster is like, you know, possessing it, and it's super dark and gritty. But there, it's not. It's super clean. It's not even bloody inside this carnival. It's just creepy because it's dark. And the monsters that you're running from are 
like cartoonish level sentry guards with like scanning lasers. So they're not even scary. So ah, uh, well I, they can't I, scare people away from like seeing the the games. The that's exactly why it can't be a good game. That the same the exact conversation that's happening that would ruin any other game is wholly embraced in yeah. this game here. I guess the interesting part of it is that part of me is like. <laughs> impressed with it and, and kind of like oh that's yeah. that's a nice little thing and i'm like i'm never gonna play it yeah but. exactly like i but, but like I, it's, I it's, it's nice it's, 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 it, it feels it feels like uh it feels like something that you build goodwill of right i've been you know it's, that they it's, tried <laughs> but I, I i have to say that they missed their mark that's what that's my my whole thing about this and not even like just in a sense of hey you're like a gamer nerd and you just want this and you just want that like i'm talking on my marketing side here imagine you're gonna um announce a product right and you're gonna spend how much money is spent on an average triple a uh marketing um uh side of a game like yeah, do you, are you familiar millions oftentimes yeah. it's equal the development budget it's almost e sometimes it's more than the development budget of the actual game is spent on the marketing of it yeah, right. isn't the like the uh, the Grand Theft Auto Five marketing budget was three hundred million or something huge, crazy like yes. that? Yes, huge, huge. There, that was one of the ones where I think it was bigger than their actual development costs. Mm. So it's huge, right? Um, what was my point about this again? I lost myself for a second. What was I saying here? Louise, help me, please. You're saying that they spent so much money on marketing, and that because of that. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so there is these. <laughs> four or five games that they want to announce right mm -hmm. and you have this much money to spend it on it but you what you're doing is first you're gating all the information about the announcements behind a two hour long video right where you're going to mm -hmm. lose some people people like me people who are bored people who don't have the time etc 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 you're losing that much of your audience already and mm. then you show these trailers and then you lock more information about the games behind a whole game that a lot of people said they couldn't play because the specs were too high. It's a, <laughs> what? It's a massive, it's a massive ask. Ask anyone. You know, talking about click-through rates, the idea of like how much money people have to spend to get someone to click through a link. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of money you have to get someone to spend to download your app is even more. Now, mm. the, imagine the amount of people you have to spend to download like twenty. I don't know how at least five gigs, maybe maybe 10 gigs for a game that looks like this, right? Of mm -hmm. information installed on their computer and then play it. It's like you're shrinking down the audience that you're going to reach by so much. But by the end of it, there's so little money of that marketing that actually has gone into telling people about the games that you were supposed to tell, talk to them mm -hmm. about, right? Mm -hmm. So if I was one of these games, like I hope that, you know, I don't know how the deals are done. So, you know, they probably don't have budgets that are directly connected to the marketing for digital direct but or devolver um direct but i would be a little upset that like you could have done it so much more efficiently and con and got a re better reach for the audience and then help support these games even more mm -hmm. had you not gone for something that was essentially in the advertising word world there like in the advertising world traditional advertising there are ad awards like people mm -hmm. give it's like the oscars for ads right mm. Mm. and then it's become contentious because companies are making ads to win these awards but they're not necessarily helping the client at all mm. or as well as much as 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 effectively as you know the money spent into it and this is what it feels like to me is mm. that this is somehow this this thing became about 
the marketing team and the and this and this you know Devolverland Expo and the video that the the team wanted to put together yeah. and the humor etc. And you can sit you can tell me that maybe that's a part of your plan. Um, and if so, then you know I you know I don't have the same kind of stakes that they were holding. But if this was to help your studios release their games. It would be a ridiculous uh, it would be a ridiculous proposition for most studios to say mm. this is a good idea and mm. and it's mostly selling devolver digital itself more yeah. so than the games it really is and maybe that's what their plan was maybe they said that you know for 2020 we need to get this particular publisher brand on the map so that for whatever reason maybe there's business plans or there it's a long-term plan to help the rest of the studios um but i would say that it's if I was to look at it as a what a traditional marketing campaign should do, I think that kind of failed in my in my end. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. also the the scope was so much bigger than they needed for games that were that were budget games for us to buy. Like you know, you, they could have announced like uh, Olegia and um, uh, what was the other oh, uh, Carrion like with a sm- smaller gameplay trailer that almost all indie gameplay like studios do and mm-hmm. i would have been just as happy and interested in those games like yeah. what else could you have done with that money that yeah. you spent on on the direct right so that's yeah. that's that's my whole thing about even, even like that's a that's a good point because even like serious sam 4 is a is a 40 dollar game yeah right yeah. olegia yeah. has a demo out now but i don't even think even the de- even the trailer said that mm-hmm. I you didn't I, know about it i didn't know about the trailers like uh, I honestly you didn't know to, about the demo, yeah. I missed a couple of games that I had to go back and look up afterwards. And this is from someone that I wanted to like cover it, you know? So <laughs> I think that, that that was the my thing about the direct. Um, you know, besides the quality of whether it successfully got the humor across or not, you know, it it felt like it just was a bit of a waste in terms of in terms of money. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong though, because there's a lot of yeah. people that like it and um I'm very much willing to accept the idea that it's just my personal preference sometimes maybe you have a flavor that no one else can taste and you eat this meal and you're like oh this is gross <laughs> but i think again I think you you are, you are you are a marketing expert that literally is that literally is your your, your job was, yeah so yes. you're the gordon ramsay <laughs> <laughs> looking at this i don't want to be i want to be as mean as gordon ramsay because they're like i i do want to highlight the things that they did like well like some of the some of the writing was pretty funny you know the quality was pretty good for what you would expect from a marketing team. But when you're shooting yourself against like comedy and like other like aspects of film, it's comedy hard is hard, right? Comedy is very, very hard. It's, it's like very hard. Under S I think that was my biggest problem. And that's the biggest pitfall that almost every like E3 conference does is that they try to be funny in some weird way. And it just doesn't remember, remember, remember the, the, the famous Mr. Caffeine guy. <laughs> Let's go back in time. <laughs> Everyone remembers YouTube Rewind, right? Everyone remembers their <laughs> their attempts to like be cool and hip, right? So that's yeah. that's that's yeah. Um, but I do love that they that it's a different flavor. You know, I like I love that maybe if the the conference was like thirty minutes and then the rest of it was trailers, even if they kept the trailers the same length, that would have been much better for me. Because I think that they had like one joke that they stretched out for two hours, yeah, and it killed me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. Anyways, that's all I have for uh, Devolver. I'm looking forward to a few of their games. Yeah. Let's uh, let's then take that and switch over to a different aesthetic. Mm. I want to talk about. There was also Ubisoft Forward press conference, but I'm not yeah. so much interested in talking about that since it's very straightforward. It's 
it's it's ads for their upcoming games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am interested in some comments that I heard before about this cyber, the cyberpunk aesthetic that has been starting to to permeate a lot. Yeah. Um, in our games, gen- general, how do you say media sphere? I guess. Uh, it's like the zeitgeist of like movies and stuff. They're starting to talk about cyberpunk a lot. You see it in games like obviously cyberpunk the game itself but you also Mm -hmm. see it in um a lot of movies um the concept has been around like it 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 obviously starts from regular punk right and then as Mm -hmm. soon as um the sci-fi world started to take off and then it's a melding of the two genres Mm -hmm. so it has been coming becoming a lot more prevalent in almost like all aspects of media movies games right Mm -hmm. and the interesting part about uh when i saw it in watch watchdogs legion for mm-hmm. example is and you can see here or in the image i have up on the bottom there's all these different uh random people on the street that you can recruit into your into your legion of uh <laughs> cyber hackers to take down an evil corporation yeah yeah uh, and they're all sort of cyberpunked up in in a way even yeah. in the uh in the animation shown by uh by your favorite Alberto yeah, Miguel. You were you were saying I didn't realize Mi- it was by Miel- him. Yeah. Mielgo? Mielgo. Miel- I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was one of the one of the primary characters was this was this lady with a, with a gas mask and with, with like Illuminati drawings on it mm-hmm. and sort of this aesthetic and someone that brought up is is like it's it's interesting that they're leveraging this sort of aesthetic that implies like rebellion and, and taking yeah. out this corporate structure and it's being uh, made by by Ubisoft, which is a a big corporation in and of itself, yeah. who control over two hundred studios around yeah. the world, pretty much. Um, and and the initial thought that I had with that is, yes, you are right, but at the end of the day, it is a select few people that are making these creative decisions to use this sort of aesthetic. So I was interested in how you, as a creative, viewed that. Right. Yeah, I find because it... you as an individual may want to represent feelings of rebellion and that sort of emotion and aesthetic, and then using this sort of aesthetic, which has, when it was not frequently used, it became rebellious. Now mm. that it has been commercialized and sold to the highest bidder, do you mm. feel like that de- devalues it a little? Well, it's 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 super interesting because this is the same thing that happened with the punk movement in music back in the day so mm-hmm. punk the whole genre came out of this rebellious act of fighting against their forefathers who went through you know the world wars and were very rigid people and then coming out of it um there was a movement to you know fight against the man so to say but then like almost every subculture that's ever appeared especially anything that's anti-authoritarian um, it's always happened. It gets kind of co-opted because people realize that people see the genre from the outside and there are going to be people who want to enter into the genre or want to be like them, like punk, because it's popular. Mm-hmm. And then they realize they can sell the aesthetic to them to help them mimic like they're inside the group. So then that's when punk, punk clothing became like really popular. And, you know, like this is kind of seen in the band kiss right you know they're like this metal heavy metal band that's uh <clears throat> the aesthetic is very much uh, like a hardcore punk rock aesthetic 
but they are probably one of the most commercialized bands of all time, right? Mm -hmm. They've sold action figures and stuff like that. And there has always been this kind of debate between whether they are legit, you know, they have like, have they sold out? Have they sold out? (laughs) Yeah. Where so, but it's a bit different in video games because there's, you know, there's no games out there outside of maybe indie games that can be considered in and of themselves rebellious because to make a game you need a large studio and so you can't really rebel you can't have a bunch of rebels making a game okay no one that's not how games work there's no the only reason that some of these really wild indie games can come out is because they're made by a few people if you're working with a hundred people there's no way you're going to be able to get them to to for, for a bunch of people who rebel to work together to make a game, right? Like mm-hmm. game, game development itself is all about cooperation and, and problem solving together as a team, right? Like, so, so when I look at the punk genre in games, or especially cyberpunk, I see, I see movements of the punk movement, but essentially co-opted to a more modern day time. Um, and for the most part, it's just part of the industry going through these waves of genres and you'll see this a lot now and you'll see it right now too i'll actually even ask you what do you what do you guess the current because punk cyberpunk is actually a bit old now in terms of the 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 industry genre that it's on what's the Mm -hmm. current genre that the industry is on right now do you think uh industry like the games industry like you know there was a Mm -hmm. wild where um steampunk was really in you know that was during the um, what was that game that was like Assassin's Creed? Yeah. But, um, can't game that was like game. Assassin's Creed, but Far Cry, Blood no, Dragon. <laughs> no, it was like um, a, a steampunk game where you uh, and you had like there's like whale oil and there was a bit of like mysticism. oh Dishonored, Dishonored. Yeah, that was a steampunk. That was during the steampunk era, and mm-hmm. then that kind of moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like now we're like out. in a in a sort of a retro wave. Sort of feel. I think I think it's you'll see a lot of um, Asian types um, games coming out right now. A lot of games. I think that's for a number of reasons. There's a lot of pull from China's market for a lot of a lot of Asian type feels games. But you have like Ghost of Tsushima coming out, right? We had Sekiro a little while ago, and so, and then we have um, Shadow uh, Shadow Demons. What was the game that we just had? Shadow 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 Warriors Three, right? Very very japanese or asian like um architectural aesthetic coming out um so i think that that's gonna that's kind of like the current wave and with cyberpunk all i saw was that it was a kind of wave that everyone got onto oh also vikings is a current one too by the way Mm -hmm. (laughs) like vikings is a really big one right now um and I, i do think the industry goes through waves in terms of like what it recycles and for the cyberpunk side i never found it as a true actually like a true movement for rebellion for anyone because mm-hmm. it it's always kind of been more of a storytelling element for for the modern sci-fi world and it was essentially to represent the fact that um if if we were to imagine like the future it's the opposite of the star trek world it's the things are decayed the gov- over authoritarian and less like um World, world, um, ethics are like mm-hmm. available, right? The Blade I, I feel Runner like a big tech. component of it, though, is also the democratization of technology, which mm-hmm. is which is very relevant. I I feel. So what Anyone, do you mean by that? It's 
when you think about how computers were originally looked at, right? Mm -hmm. When they were on sets, they were they were workstations, right? Only white collar people mm -hmm. had computers, and they used it strictly for business, yep. right? Only the, only people had those satellite phones, and they strictly used them to make important phone calls. Mm -hmm. Technology right now has become democratized, and, and this has gradually been eroding barriers. There was a much higher barrier of making streams, putting on putting yep. on YouTube videos. Production itself of, di Way of digital cheaper. media has become democratized. Yeah, that's true. Which is interesting because cyber cyberpunk itself has has roots back in 1984, since Neuromancer, pretty much. Neuromancer, Blade Runner, like that whole genre was the start of it, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I feel now it has sort of changed. If you look at Watch Dogs Legion, the idea is that technology has been democratized anyway, that these hackers are controlling uh, these advanced purpose-built machines in order to invoke their revolution against tyranny mm -hmm. and oppression, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I feel that's sort of the angle they are, they, are, they are using that on. But at the same time, it's... It's a, it's 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 its own weapon being used by corporations too. <laughs> well, I think that it's become a char caricature now. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you look at the, old, it's hard to take like, seriously at this point, right? Because that yeah. that thought, that idea of the marketi marketization of of technology is 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 almost equivalent to the the, the marketization of, of of knowledge, right? Of mm -hmm. everyone should have access to books. Mm -hmm. Everyone should have access to proper education. Now it's mm -hmm. everyone should have proper access to internet, right? Yeah. I find it interesting that the old moral of having cyberpunk in the world was to showcase that like when a world becomes too authoritarian, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is kind of the result that you that everyone has to go to and it was more of a I guess a comment and and a warning um in terms of the statement that it was making whereas yeah. um now it is it is it's kind a celebration of a, almost it's a of celebration exactly that <laughs> and it's interesting that like a company is making a game so that you can feel like you're rebelling even though you're not really doing anything of the sort it well that's what all games are you know you, you want to feel like a viking you want to feel like blah blah like this is to feel like back you to spec off the line yeah. you're here because you're here. you want it to be something that you're not yeah so <laughs> In that way, it can be a powerful like storytelling tool, but I actually think that almost every game hasn't really used cyberpunk in any interesting way besides it's a cool aesthetic and it looks different. You know, mm -hmm. like I think it's been mainly driven by um, the aesthetic side rather than the storytelling side. Yeah. Even Watch Dogs, the, the first iteration of it, it's you remember when that trailer first came out, it seemed... I was excited because I thought it was going to be a much bigger story than it ended up being, or at least the uh, the game ended up telling. Um, and I don't know if it's it's really bringing anything of particular value right now. I'll have, I'm interested in cyberpunk, but I'm also very cautious about cyberpunk. We talked a little about this before. The delays that are coming out and also the trailer they showed a while back, mm -hmm. it, it was a sizzle trailer, but it didn't, for, for me, have very much content. That was interesting. That was yeah. Like, I think exciting. the only one to show off that was, that trailer's cut purely from the intro mission of the game. I believe mm -hmm. they said. Yep. Yeah. It, it was mainly meant to. Also had a much lighter and playful tone than I was expecting as well. <laughs> Until the part where the guy like 
arms up and starts slicing everyone. Yeah, even even then, like there is there's 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 a pulpiness, there's a there's a pulpy levity to it. Yeah, it's not you like know? you. It's it's not like they they went into like the Last of Us territory where you feel like kind of sick to your stomach watching some of the stuff. It definitely felt like oh, this is a video game and yeah. this they're kind of playing around with stuff, right? And I feel like true cyberpunk should make you feel a little gross. You yeah, know, wait, wait, well, when you when you read some of some of the depictions that William Gibson writes in his cities, mm-hmm. uh, just the the sheer not depravity, but uh, or the poverty of the situations, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, and the way the the, the Denzins are just like, look, I just shoved this thing into my wrist now. Now I have this thing, and like, no, that mm-hmm. is unhygienic on so many different levels. Yeah, whereas this looks like a bunch of like hipster kids that like decided to buy a bunch of cyberpunk clothing from H&M or something like that. And and again, I feel that's that sort of is what appeals to the mass market, right? That's what appeals yeah. to the hot topics of the world. It's yeah. not it's not it's not it's not a again, it's a celebration, it's not a warning. It's Well, it's it's it's, it's what always happens cuz cyberpunk has, you know, cyberpunk and punk in general was a movement of being different than the rest of people. But mm-hmm. then when you have a group of when you have a group that has a strong culture around it and people want to enter into that culture, it's hard for a group to be based around keeping others away and also grow at the same time. And mm-hmm. essentially, it always ends up being corrupted in one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. This is not necessarily that this is a corrupting influence because cyberpunk isn't an actual world culture. It's a guess as to what the culture might evolve to one day based off of real life punk, right? So right. it doesn't have any real world ramifications in terms of, like you know they're they're selling out or whatever because there's no real <laughs> cyberpunks right there's, there's no there's nothing to sell out it's yeah, always exactly. been sold it's always been sold out it's always been a fabrication it's like someone complaining that the elves are not correct in the movie and I'm like well you know they're they're made up you know <laughs> 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 there's no there's no real elf to say that they're comparing it to and this is the same thing there's no real cyberpunk for you like the only thing close is kind of like maybe a Banksy Banksy type of situation but you know he's just punk he's just like a, a graffiti artist right in modern times mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah I, I do find the aesthetic interesting in general I do I do think that it's it's a little shallow in the same way that when I saw the steampunk um, world it was a bit shallow in terms of what I felt that if it could like go deeper and deeper into where if you compare that to like a game like um, let's say like like Assassin's Creed and they have their sci-fi element and how flexible and in-depth they've been able to use that type of storytelling inside so many different versions of their game Mm -hmm. i think that's what lends itself to depth is like this is a this is like a when we're talking about battle rails being a mechanic that you want to mix in cyberpunk is like an element that you can mix in but it really needs to be a part of a bigger story a bigger story about like you know about the government maybe like or maybe about like people like if you look at Blade Runner it's about a person that's living in a cyberpunk world and the cyberpunk is a flavor that helps like describe part of the story it's not Mm -hmm. enough to hold itself to be the main course I don't think I don't think you can have a game where you say cyberpunk is the theme and that's enough for me to be interested in to play it Mm -hmm. yeah all right that's a good enough place for us to leave off and uh, let's jump on to our last topic of the day Open world games. Open worlds, also known as the past 20 years of our lives and the future 20 years of our <laughs> lives. Do you think that 
games will just get more and more open world as like we go on like we see I a think lot we've of already hit over. that point yeah I don't think I don't th I think at the point is is where we have to contract a little bit and think about what are the emotions we want to evoke with an open world yeah. right and, and go back to that basics and, and I know I talk about emotions a lot but really to me that's that's the core of any sort of game design yeah. but to kick the sort of off what what got me th thinking about this recently is is watching the Ubisoft conference and then mm -hmm. seeing all the games they announced and pretty much all of them were open world games with the exception of Trials Rising <laughs> yeah. and I got to thinking about well what are we doing with open world games to make them successful because I'm reaching the point in my life where if someone says the game is open world that's a detractor for me because I think about well I'm going to be spending a lot of time in this world doing content that's not exactly super fulfilling to me well but what at do you the think same is the sorry go ahead but at the same time you can play an open world game and have these very player driven experiences in a non-linear fashion that really lends itself to creativity and and sort of player-driven investigation of the world and, and the game mechanics, which is extremely powerful, which is what made them popular in the, in the first place. And I feel along the way, we sort of lost that and it became a, uh, an, an hours count thing. It became mm -hmm. a density thing. How big is your map? How big yeah. is your map? What's in it? How many activities do you have? How many hours are you going to spend in this? And it lost that sort of nah dog in gta 3 it's a real breathing world and mm -hmm. you can go anywhere mm -hmm. right that became rote so when mm -hmm. that became rote it then said well what is there to do in the city I'm like well there's these handfuls of activities i'm like okay yeah but what if there were just 50 of them and mm -hmm. and then it became how do you explore this world well let me so, ask you what do you think the strengths and weaknesses of having an open world game are versus having say a linear game you know it's like I said before, it is definitely the, the player-driven aspect of it. It is you are giving the player an affordance to navigate the world at their own place, mm -hmm. to spend time doing things that they find important mm -hmm. instead of being railroaded into a singular activity. That allows for you to engage the player's curiosity mm -hmm. in, in more relaxing ways in, instead of, say, doom which is <laughs> you're gonna play this game the way we want you to play it mm -hmm. and that's all you're gonna do yeah and, yeah and you're either gonna play it correctly or you're gonna die yeah and well, yeah go ahead. oh did i just lose my my camera <laughs> you're frozen on my screen and i'm sure if, if uh, your camera is still frozen uh oh, yep so you're in the middle of a very important point <laughs> um I think that's a very good point. My, my whole thing that I was just going to say is um, I was going to ask you what your first open world game that you can remember. That Grand Theft Auto 3. Grand Theft Auto 3. So in my opinion, I don't. I think this might not be 100% technically true in terms of the first quote-unquote open world game, but the first instance that in mainstream media is actually, I think, um, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Interesting. So um, before that, you think about the, the time era. There, it came out uh, on the N64, mm -hmm. right? Um, it was the first 3D uh, game, like part of the first generation of 3D games, right? It was released, uh, I think, either pretty close or on launch with the N64. Um, and it was the first game where you had a night-day cycle, 
mm-hmm. that was built into the world and there was persistent world elements, right? So mm-hmm. I, only I bring that up. Only the overworld, though. Yeah, it has only the overworld. So it had a, it was essentially a hybrid. It had your yeah. sections of linear gameplay, but you had the overworld where you would connect, pe- connect people together, right? I only brought it up because I wanted to see if we, if we take a, this basic example of what the open world brought because I think that open world really, really affected the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time game itself. Mm-hmm. The fact that you had this persistent world where you were traveling around and there was a night and day cycle and it felt like you were saying help give you that feeling of things being like real and like a living, breathing environment that you're in. Yep. Um, I, I and, agree I agree yeah. with you and I think I'll go even a step farther and say original Le- Legend of Zelda did an even yeah. better job of that. Even though that game was was really difficult to figure out what where you're going, where you're doing, and there was a mm-hmm. correct way to do the dungeons, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a strict order, you were still left alone in that world to mm-hmm. sort of figure out your way, and that is yep. definitely driven by player curiosity, and that is that is I think something that games are trying to start to get back to, yeah. including with with say Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But before we get there, since that's a recent thing, I wanna I wanna step back and. Yeah. Let's take a look at where I thought we started to go wrong with this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna put me. an image here for you. I haven't. I haven't. Do you know what this is? Yeah, I, this is exactly what I was thinking too. This I is was, the this map is... of Assassin's Creed Unity, and it yeah. is populated with with icons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We reached a point in, in in game design, and Far Cry Three uh, has a lot to blame for this. I feel. <laughs> oh, sorry, as not Far Cry Three, Assassin's Creed One, even. Has lots of blame. One, yeah. of you, of it was you there climbing to the top of the tower yeah. Yeah. and clearing out an area. And yeah. <laughs> but in that original game, it didn't really populate a lot of icons. There wasn't that many activities. It was a very yeah. bare bones experience. Mm-hmm. It was they didn't, even, they didn't even put banners, which were the main collectible in that. Mm-hmm. That was never appearing on the map. Mm-hmm. By the time we got to Assassin's Creed Unity, which is the seventh game in the franchise, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it might be sixth. Doesn't matter. Um, we we started putting icons for everything. So all yeah. all the banners, all the chests, you could yeah. buy maps for everything. You could find out what everything is. We started going into the phase of checklist open world games mm-hmm. where you started going into areas expecting to get exactly something. It became less about yeah. the exploration element to it. It became always like, I'm going to enter this area. I'm not going to explore the area. I'm going to go to the point marked on my map that's going to unfog it. It's a, a checklist that you're running through the yeah. entire time. Yeah. yeah. My my I, exploration I, I my exploration my exploration component became reduced to how do I reach yeah. the top of that place? How which, do you think that they got to this? What 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 happened that led them down this path? I have an I have an idea, and I'll see if if you, you my my idea that. is they looked at how many people collected the banners in Assassin's Creed, how many people did all the side activities. Mm-hmm. and saw it was extremely low. So they thought, how can we get people to stay in our game more and see mm-hmm. stuff? And the solution is, well, if they aren't aware of where the stuff is, why would they spend more time in our in our world? Which, mm-hmm. not along those lines, because they disagree with that with that statement. Yeah, It was a Band-Aid fix, essentially. Yes, and I, and I don't want to say that this sort of game design is, is wrong, because I think it does make it for people that want to do checklists in games and there's definitely moments in time where where i do want to just know okay what is everything i can do and where can i do it and then i can engage with with the gameplay loops there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
for example side missions and stuff like that put that on my map on my map i'm happy enough to go to know that that's there and i can go and do it and i can go on unique gameplay there but where I think it falters is when we're doing stuff like this, where we're putting a bunch of chests, a bunch of collectibles, a bunch of notes, a bunch of banners. Yeah. And we're yeah. populating our map and saying, okay, go to all these and get them. Because that is not, that's not gameplay. That's, that's a distraction. That's a chore list that you're that's trying to chore. do. That's a chore. And yeah. the example that I, that I go back to when I'm describing these sort of elements and the issues I have with them is think about it in the way of when you're going shopping for something you're going buy groceries <laughs> yeah. you want to you want to buy I, i'm gonna make a salad i need cucumbers carrots and spinach that's what i make yeah. my salad i know i'm gonna go to safeway next door and i'm gonna go find my salad if my salad is not there or i have trouble finding it i'm having a bad time if i <laughs> yeah, go there yeah. and i get a salad i'm only doing exactly what i expected yeah when i'm going hiking mm -hmm. you know I'm thinking, well, there is that trail there that someone told me about. I'm going to go hiking. If along I'm going the hiking trail, I find a vista that I really like. That is a rewarding experience that I wasn't going to expect. Someone says, oh, there's a really cool vista. I'm going there, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing it, and I feel this feels great. Along the way, I find a four-leaf clover or something, mm -hmm. or I take this really great picture, or yeah. I see an eagle taking a salmon out of a river. I'm like, oh, my God, this was worth it, mm -hmm. and I wasn't expecting this. Mm -hmm. This is the core of human curiosity and experience, mm -hmm. right? And when I, I see when I see images of <laughs> of of games like uh, they showed off here for Valhalla, which is this, mm -hmm. that's what I want an open world game to be. And, and what I'm showing now is is a Val Valhalla picture of Ivor on a cliff overlooking this castle in the distance. There is an aurora borealis in the background an eagle flying in the sky and these assassin's frozen creed? ice cascades is this the new assassin's creed game new assassin's creed game assassin's okay. creed valhalla yeah. yeah yeah this is what i want from open world games is exactly what this image is trying to sell me this sense of the adventure rates you'll get to explore i don't know what's in that castle mm -hmm. but it's lit up there is something inside of it mm -hmm. and i want to go and investigate that and see what it is so it, go ahead yeah go ahead no Okay, nope, so your turn. <laughs> I I think that they were. Tr I think the Assassin's Creed games tried to have their cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. I think part of what Assassin's Creed One did, that was a kind of a silent revolution, was their idea of finding a way to um, make modular gameplay elements and then multiply them so you can have a lot a lot of content, right? That was mm. the whole idea behind the towers, yes. where you can have a bunch of towers. It's the same element of you climbing, et cetera, but you get the same reward, but you have like 50 of them, right? Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem of making the open world game like during that time was population of content. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That was, that, that was Far Cry's kind of problem um, early on. You know, the content was quite bland in the early Far Cry games. You were really amazed at first, and you're like, wow, it's an open world, and you realize, like, almost all the areas are play exactly the same, right? There's just, like, bad guys here, and sometimes they have rocket launchers or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and even there, that was enough, though, for Far Cry 3, I feel. Yeah, that was one yeah. of my favorite games at the time. Like, I played yeah. it, and as a player, I was incredibly engaged with it. I wanted to do those outposts mm -hmm. and feel those mechanics, and I felt like I had a lot of bang for, for, for my buck. And mm -hmm. as a content creation strategy, it is extremely smart mm -hmm. because what you have is only three to four different types of activities. Mm 
mm-hmm. and you're just scattering and remixing them in mm-hmm. in, in that level. Mm-hmm. But Which I feel is a very like this... smart gameplay thing to do, like yeah. in terms of a game design thing. But there's yeah. problems that come up when you do that. I, I and I feel at this point we reached we reached a point where we need to push. We need to be more intelligent with mm-hmm. with how we we generate our content because we have reached a point where games are something that there are live games and that people are going to be spending a ton of time in mm-hmm. that weren't in the past right mm-hmm. and now games like this are open world games that are not live games that your friends are not going to be playing are going to be asking a similar amount of time commitment but they can't compete with something that you've been playing for three years right yeah, and that's well, like not, an, that, an online mmo versus like a single player uh exactly game right yeah and when i come to an open world game like this i don't need to spend 50 hours with it to feel i got my money's worth mm-hmm. and that might be different from from people with with different budget concerns right when you pay 80 dollars for a game you may want a game that you're going to be playing for a while mm-hmm. but then at that point you can play a game for 500 hours for free if you're playing Fortnite. Yeah. So <laughs> what is what is the, what is the, what is the value proposition you're you're making yeah. there when you're as a creative, right? Yeah. Would I rather spend the amount of time making 50 variations on a theme mm-hmm. or taking 13 different experiences and curating them and making that interesting? And I feel they Ubisoft has started going in that direction. Because I'm going to show you now the map for Far Cry 5. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. It looks similar, right, to what you yeah. saw in Assassin's Creed Unity. There's a ton of icons on this map. Mm-hmm. But the way they started doling stuff out in Far Cry 5 is different. It became more about what you heard from people on the street. You know? Mm-hmm. And then you say, like, oh, there is there is this guy who, be- before the cult came, he set up this bunker in this place. But, you know, he's kind of a crazy person. And then you go and check it out. And indeed, there's a bulk here, but, like, there's riddles and there's traps. And mm-hmm. you have to figure out how to get in there. Yeah. And they did a, a pretty intelligent job in making these, these prepper stashes. There's only 10 of them or so. But they all feel distinct and different when you come across them. Mm-hmm. Um that it creates content that you want to engage with right because it's different and it's remixing the the elements they're already used to the problem is that then they also put a bunch of collectibles and stuff that you're just taking off boxes right it it, it got to that point where your map didn't fill up with that stuff but you could buy maps and make it fill up and i just didn't do that because why you know so from um for me the not the problem but what i've seen with uh open world games in general that makes me not want to play them say if i were to play a more linear game mm-hmm. is when i play a linear game say i only have 20 hours which is kind of a typical uh time frame for a linear game like the last of us was like around 20 hours or so right i'd say that's even more exceptional yeah like to have yeah. a linear game be 20 hours yeah yeah they might be a bit shorter but the thing is when i play those linear games i i play them so that i have a very curated experience mm-hmm. um all the way f- and there's a lot of things when i say curated i mean like the angle that you just showed in Valhalla, like it's difficult to get that angle um, because you can't predict where the character is going to appear from, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to have a lot of game design that's very subtle that guides the player into these vistas or something without being too obvious and saying, hey, there's a checkpoint here and you have to go here and you get to see this vis- vista. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, I when you play a single-player game, though, like, they have full control over everything. Um, and I really appreciate being taken through an adventure. It's, like, the difference between me watching a movie and then watching, say, a live stream of someone. Like, I might really enjoy the live stream because it's, you know, it's spontaneous and you never know what you're going to expect. And it's real, right? It feels a lot more real. That's something about, like, open worlds that you can stumble upon things. You can start um, exploring a cave and then revealing the story that's behind the cave that you weren't really expecting. And because you know the game didn't tell you to go there, Mm -hmm. you feel like you own it more Mm -hmm. because you decided to go there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, you you don't get the crazy storylines and really high peak emotions that you can get in like a game like the last of us where they they've decided they're going to show you this character's perspective because they know it's going to make you feel a certain way when they jump to this character's perspective Mm -hmm. right i'm not sure Um, i'm not sure i completely agree with that though because we have open world games that have definitely shown exactly that like mm -hmm. red dead redemption 2 which i i I feel is is a failure of game design but it definitely does evoke an emotional resonance yeah. With, so with, what, with the viewer. What I'm saying is um, not that you're incorrect, because you are correct. Um, there are examples of games that can do that in open world. The trade-off is, though, is that they're they're losing part of the trade-off of why they decided to make an open world game with content like that. Yes. Is that you have to manually curate all of it now. Yes. And part of what made a game like Breath of the Wild amazing, in so many people's opinion, is that they felt there's so much... There's so many areas that felt that they had that hand feel touch to it, but it was a very massively open world game, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's so, sort of, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just saying that's a sign of what Nintendo always does is that Nintendo has always produced these amazing single player, very crafted experiences, but they somehow translated that to Breath of the Wild, and I think that's why this game is kind of the one of the beacons of one of the best types of open world games, mm-hmm. right? The, I think that's the key is like how do you how do you first lay out this giant canvas of content that you want to um, give your players but then how do you go back in there and hand touch every single one of them so it feels like each one is worth it to go to Mm. you know I I almost feel like Breath of the Wild is sort of almost an unfair comparison because of how much time that game had in in development and 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 the care that went into it because you look at it in terms of formula it still follows a similar formula to Assassin's Creed and Far mm-hmm. Cry in that there, when you look at it, there is only a handful of activities. Mm-hmm. You're doing shrines, uh, you're doing main quests, you're doing side quests, and the the smallest element is the Karak, uh, the Karak seeds. Yeah. But in each of those are unique enough in their layout like the Korok seeds are, are fantastic because it, you always get the feeling that one's nearby just the way <laughs> you're investigating the environment like wait those three rocks are arranged in a very specific <laughs> way yeah. what if i it put this suspicious. other rock here and then <laughs> you found me yeah um it was it's almost like an addiction that it, it trains you to and you're like oh i keep wanting to look for things because i might i might get this yeah. Korok seed and, yeah. and this is this is sort of the the but they still managed to put an overwhelming amount of content like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what I really want from open world games is is that sort of environmental communication without, say, you feeling the need to complete everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and still getting benefit out of it. But something more like The Witness, 
which was that puzzle game by Jonathan Blow's company. Oh. Um, and it is very focused on you looking at your environment, spending time in your environment, and and following along clues to be able to solve puzzles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the puzzles all use the same sort of existing systems and and yeah, and sort of core mechanics. Yeah. But the way you approach them and the environments you approach them dictate what you're doing in that specific area. And there's sort of mm-hmm. that hand-touched element mm-hmm. to it. And this is something that I'm hoping Ghost of Tsushima, Tsushima does because that's another game that is... That's right. It's very clearly influenced by Breath of the Wild, at least to me, in that it, they want... they Look how ridiculous this is, Ken. <laughs> they, 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 they make all the particles in the game... The wind, the the leaves and stuff, all slowly drift in the direction of your objective that you have marked on your map. Oh, and then you can press a button, and then there's a gust of wind that more directly will point you in that direction. <laughs> but wow. always throughout the entire time you're spending in that game, there are subtle hints that are guiding you into it. Oh, that's and that's side areas. Really cool. Yeah, and side areas are all are all dictated by birds flying overhead, mm. or like a fox mm. darts out and starts heading towards a shrine. And those are indications of the player that hey, there's something here that you can go into. Yeah. The downside is I haven't I haven't played the game, so I don't want to say what I what, what I think about soon, it. But the, soon, soon. But, but the reviews, <laughs> the reviews that people are saying is that once you actually do get to those locations, it is very standard open world design in that there is only slight variations on them, and they're uh, not very different, right? That's gonna be a little sad if that's the case. And, but that's that's the way that open world games are, are generally designed because they have yeah. to hit this quota of, of content that you're going to yeah. hit. And I would have yeah. been fine. I would have been more than fine if all the collectibles in Far Cry 5 were just outposts and those prepper stashes and it was a smaller game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and even if they diversified the outposts even, even more, for example, my host for Far Cry 6, right, because they have to make something different and they are trying to make something different and my hope is once we get to to far 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 cry 6 is that the learnings that they will take from this is is having less emphasis on doing a checklist on the map making Mm -hmm. making diegetic uh forms like ghost of tsushima does to inform you of hey there is content here and then Mm -hmm. curating that content even if there is not a lot of it that's different that you will go there and you will have an experience that you weren't expecting right as soon think- as you make as soon as you make make a collectible or something like that an expected result you are immediately incurring frustration on behalf of the player because they they are not immediately finding what they came there to do and they know yeah. they have 90 more to, to go through yeah i f- i feel like part of the problem with um the assassin's creed games and a lot of a lot of games just in general is I think there's an over-reliance on UI. Mm-hmm. I think it's because UX, uh, which is user experience, it's a relatively new, fo- like, it's a relatively new um, discipline in the games industry that's uh, popped up maybe like five to six years ago. Um, and the whole idea of it is that it it wants, the idea is that you need to, there are methods you can guide your player through um, what you need them to do. And that's that's the user experience flow. UI is a very obvious band-aid to say, hey, you should go here. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you use UI, especially in a game like an open world game where the point is that you want the player to discover it themselves, if you give them a UI, it, it is, it's a band-aid, but it, it takes away some of that 
that element that you're trying to the add exploration in. yeah and, you're giving the them curiosity, the answer right you're giving them the answer it's like the, the professor layton game where you're solving puzzles and riddles but you're always getting the answer to the riddle like 10 seconds so you don't even get a chance to like yep. figure it out yourself that's what it kind of feels like and i think the the evolution and a part of why um uh, breath of the wild was great is you know nintendo released a few videos that they had a whole ideology behind how they uh did the landscaping um, in terms of shapes that they were going to use to help direct the players. They mm -hmm. had these types of blocks of shapes that they used in um, in their world editor. Um, and that's how they would plan for the vistas that would show up. And that would, that's how they plan for a, like more chances of the player going up to this cliff and seeing this like great, beautiful environment. And mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if you saw any of this, but their editor system, their map editor was great. They allowed anyone to edit the map together, like live. There's not one map that anyone's editing. editing. Mm -hmm. And people can put notes on the in the environment to talk to other de game designers saying, like, this area is going to be like a dungeon or this area needs to like look really epic or something. Or this is a vista type area that yeah. we're going to try to like focus all the elements around. Um, and so it, that's like a behind the scenes kind of like a subtle way to tell the player what to do is a lot harder than a straight up UI, right? Yes, yes. And, and I and, think and that- When you make yeah. a game that's so massive, like Far Cry that has so many studios touching it, communicating that it becomes hard. Yeah. So I am I'm extremely sympathetic to, to anyone that, 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 that yeah. has that challenge yeah. to make with such a large team. And, yeah. and the fundamental to that, that I need to say is that I, I do enjoy these games and I do think they're extraordinarily well crafted. Yeah. I, I just am getting to the point where as a player, I can't get excited for them, even though I have so much respect for for all the developers that 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 that, that make these sort of games. And what do you, and what do you think it challenges. is? What is it that you think of when you think of playing an open world game that makes you not want to play it? Is it the hours? It's it's the it? it's the time investment and the fact mm -hmm. that I don't feel I'm going to be rewarded for the time I put into it. Yeah. Right. When I play open world games right now, I don't go seeking out all the collectibles because I don't feel it, it's worth it to me in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know they're there to pad out the 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 hour count. I, yeah. I do the main story missions mm -hmm. and I and I hit the side missions that I find interesting and then I have to move on to something else. Yeah. But I it, imagine a world where where and I feel my my result coming away from that game is is lessened because not enough not enough time and resources can be put towards making the big moments in that game pay off. I I wonder if there's something else as well is that the mini mechanics that they're trying to get you to do like say in Assassin's Creed you're constantly unlocking towers to reveal larger fast travel zones right mm -hmm. like when you unlock a tower you might get that bit of reward for unlocking it right then and there but there's almost no built upon reward like say you do a story element because now you progress the story and there's like this thing that you've been building on whereas when you unlock something or unlock a tower or get like an achievement or like a secret there's nothing there's no pre precursor that's built upon it there's nothing for me to be like it's not like a, a, a storyline quest arc that has characters that move along and you feel like you've made progress mm -hmm. it just feels like you're just you're doing something that doesn't have any effect on um, any noticeable effect on the game further besides what it just did right now right like yeah 
It, it no might even advance like skill trees or the way your eagle works like in in AC yeah. Odyssey, but you're yeah. you're absolutely right. It, it's yeah. it, it's purely a game mechanic, not a, not an immersion mechanic. Mm-hmm. And it's almost completely part- in in the service of building out that map. Whereas yeah. when you climb any sort of structure like the 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 Shaker shrines, <laughs> it, yeah. the, not the Shaker shrines, the uh the towers in Breath of the Wild, yeah. you do expand the map, but most importantly, most importantly is you had a challenge to climb that tower and it taught you something about the world. Yeah, yeah. There are some that are covered in bramble and you learn, oh, I can burn these. There are some mm. that have uh, wind gusts uh, that you need to catch also by burning. There are mm. some that are covered in ice that you also need. Wow, a lot of them actually yeah. use fire, I'm realizing. <laughs> uh, well, it's essentially that it requires a mechanic that is you're gonna learn. That you're gonna learn intuitively, right? Yeah. Or otherwise you're not gonna climb the tower. And then it yeah. fills out your map, but then everything else you're actively engaged in marking what is interesting to you. Mm-hmm. Again, this is reinforcing player choice. When you uncover a map in Assassin's Creed or Far Cry, uh, or the old Far Cry's because they removed that in Far Cry 5, mm-hmm. um, you you are not getting player choice in what you unlock. You, you are being told you can go here, here, and here. This is yeah. what's important. You choose yeah. which one you want to go to. You have full knowledge. That it's curiosity true. and exploration is is lost. Which is a shame because, oh my god, I love so much of how Assassin's Creed Odyssey looks, and I love so much of the quests that that you uncover, and they do reveal it organically to you in in, in certain situations. You hear about tales and stuff from people, and you go and investigate, and it's cool, and it's awesome, but there is so much of it, it's hard to know what's good, and and, and they're lucky enough that, not lucky enough, they're talented enough that they made a lot of that stuff incredibly compelling, but it does feel artificial in a sort of way. I'll tell you one thing that I did for um, uh, Shadow of Mordor. Do you remember that game? That's yep. essentially Assassin's Creed Lord of the Rings. Yep. Um, they have that uh, that nemesis system, which I freaking loved. It's hilarious. The yes. Different orcs that would come up with different characteristics. But um, one of the things that I found that was kind of throwing me off from enjoying the game was um, you you could you would know exactly where they are almost all the time as mm-hmm. soon as you get onto the map. And then I ended up playing a, f- a few sessions where I told myself that I would just look through the map myself, um, which is way slower, but it feels so much more interesting when you actually spot them and you see them coming up and you're like, that motherfucker is right there. Yeah. Um, or so he ambushes I, you I, and you did not know he was nearby. And yeah. then he's like, you motherfucker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or his buddy shows up and it's another nemesis that you, you were looking for. Yeah. Oh, like those, those are the moments that, came up during that game that were spontaneous which is which made me feel like wow this is why i'm playing that this this kind of game yeah right? um so i i i think that yeah I, that's a part of what they need to do is they need to pull back on giving people things for free too much specifically information you know like as, uh, for a game that is about exploration and you give them too much information about where to explore kind of defeats a bit of the purpose of what the game was right? mm-hmm. yeah. I- and I know, and I know they're trying because there, there is that. Uh, even in Ghost Recon Breakpoint, mm-hmm. um, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, there's that. It, I don't know if it's called immersion mode or or, or what have you. Oh but yeah, it, yeah, but, yeah, it, but yeah. it's but it's but it's a mode where where they don't put markers on the map. They say it's the west side of the province, and it's mm-hmm. here, and it's there, and whatever. Mm-hmm. It, uh, the main problem I have with that is that I am still it's too hard. Uh, I am still looking at a map, you yeah. know? I was yeah. like, well, it's to the east. I'm like, okay, well, it's over here on the map. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to go there. Whereas I feel Ghost of Tsushima, if 
I wish it nailed it on the content end, but it, it sounds like it doesn't. That is the kind of stuff that I want. It, it <laughs> is is you use you use the environment, you use the world to communicate yeah. to trigger something in the player, that curiosity in the player. Mm-hmm. Which everyone has, and, and like yeah. the games that tap into that outer outer wilds, Breath of the Wild, they tap into player curiosity. They, they tap into the Minecraft. They yeah. tap into the what ifs and yeah. what if I, and, and then reward that. Well, I think it's a whole genre. Like if you, I think it's something that's so hard that you know it's easy for us to take it for granted. Yes. But if you look at this, at the movie genre, there's a whole category called cinematography that's all designed around directing a person's eye on the screen, and that's mm-hmm. a you know that's a very set like frame that you're in, and there's so much complexity and so many possible solutions that go into this kind of. Um, player uh direction or audience direction yeah and games are even more advanced that i think it's an even harder aspect to do because you have to go so much into psychology and you know players play styles and experiences but i do think that that's that's clearly the next evolution in most of these games right now is you got to stop you can't keep hand holding so much and i think people are you know i would say maybe early ps3 days um and then onwards was the first kind of era of the overly handheld UI UX genres where they would give you over, like way too many tutorials, blah, 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 about how to play, how to play, how to do this, how to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the, the industry got into a phase where it's like, well, we don't want anyone to miss our content because we spent so much time making it. And so how do we f- how do we guarantee that they see the content? And then you go all the way to the point where you get Resident Evil six i believe where they would physically force your camera to look at a vista and not allow you to turn which mm-hmm. is the worst experience in my life in my life i hated that so much but it's like it's it's uh it essentially you're saying you're going to give up the fact that this is a game so that you can try to get this element that's in movies but you'll never be as successful in movies as as they are in movies so why try right and so mm-hmm. then you get i would say some of the more modern day games and uh, the Nintendo in general is very good at this is directing users where they want you to go without specifically saying although they always add like a ton of UI as well mm-hmm. but like Breath, Breath of the Wild and stuff like that or a game like um you know Mirror's Edge was was really um uh got a got a lot of accolades back in the day for simply having the color red everywhere you need to go right and yeah. it was such the basic all the gra- all the grabbable uh objects which now we now we're starting to criticize games for doing that, but, like on, yeah. Uncharted. Say, well, I can clearly climb these ledges. Yeah. We yeah. reached a point where we're starting to criticize this sort of development, and and I yeah. think that's that's rightfully well, it's slow. Evolution. It, it, it's it, an evolution. It, 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 like, right? Yeah, it, and definitely, like we reached we reached a point where where we can do that more or, organically, mm-hmm. right? We we have yeah. the techniques to do that with 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 with, with framing and. Uh, yeah. And just focusing players uh, players' yeah. attention by narrowing, yeah, what there is it, to focus on, right? I think we'll see that in the um, open world genre too. Like like you were talking before, you know, Assassin's Creed One was honestly good enough for being the first game that did that kind of open world attempt, right? And they kept building upon it. And then we'll always be judging the games about whether they they evolved that genre enough, right? Mm-hmm. And I hopefully the next Assassin's Creed deals with some of the issues that, you know, Far Cry had before and AC5 and Unity, or sorry, AC Unity and stuff had. Yeah. It's hard it, to say, like, what the right answer is because there's so many possible solutions, but 
I, I hope they, they hope evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's why I, I always say like, I will, I will always show up for these games and try them out because I am curious about what, what people are going to try to solve them and, and stuff like Far Cry 5, I think was, was a half step in terms of the, of the content, right. Mm -hmm. in, in making mm -hmm. it more unique, more distinct but it still stumbled in how it delivered it to you. That stuff wasn't really communicated in the world. It didn't draw your eye the way Breath of the Wild did. You had to yeah. talk to someone and get a marker on your map in order to suss it out. Far Cry 5 felt like it was, it was emphasizing its storyline moments the most, right? Oh my god, no, absolutely. Yeah. They would yeah. interrupt you so they could... You would be out in the wild <laughs> having fun, and then they would say, you'll roll up and say, hit him with that bliss bullet. And then you'd wake <laughs> up, and then there was a guy like spitting exposition at you. <laughs> yeah, and you had to right? go through, like... through an escape sequence. It, it, was, it was the worst for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm hoping Far Cry 6 is, is that, that next step that, that it needs to. Getting rid of the towers was a great first step. I don't mm. think putting the, the, the markers on map was good. I think they spend a lot of time making that map smaller but have more distinct points that you can see from a distance mm -hmm. what what is what is good what what is to explore you know what game i th i think doesn't get enough credit mm -hmm. probably does get enough credit but it has tons of bugs is the follow three in new vegas series i had i had i think like, it's so a much... lot of credit <laughs> yeah was <What is> it <laughs> i think it's a lot of credit that's a lot of credit obviously well like they they still hold up nowadays just the exploring part. Hmm. The exploring part was so fun because, you know, you have your... It's so simple. You just have a looting mechanic where you're looking for supplies and money, which drives most people's standard exploration already, right? Mm -hmm. They had a smaller map for most of their maps, right? Um, they were able to guide you into a single-player route early on, even though you had access to the world map quite early on. Mm. Most people were able to find out what the next proper steps were to go to the open world. And then throughout the entire game, like, you could wander off and then find, like, <laughs> you can find a cavern full, full of a society full of children that are all, like, yeah like running each other and stuff right and, and they're trying to and they're trying to excommunicate the teen because he's yeah too old. he's too old i now, remember yeah. that yeah like that stuff is great or you find like a vault and there's some creepy history about the vault and they're doing strange experiments like they did a really good job yeah and i don't remember them ever overly marking my map in fact i remember myself marking the map most of the time yeah 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 i, yeah, I think that's a very that's a very good call uh and it's interesting that you mentioned the looting mechanic because that definitely is sort of the driving reward for a lot of these places why they want people to explore is that they want to get loot, which is like mm -hmm. either currency or mm -hmm. a, a new weapon or, or, or something like that. But uh, an interesting thing that I heard before from uh, from Alex Beecham, who was one of the creators on Outer Wilds, oh. is the reason why you have no inventory or any sort of items or anything in that game did I say Outer Worlds or did I say Outer Wilds? Uh, Outer, Outer Wilds Wild. is the one I know. <laughs> yeah, 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 Outer um, Wilds. Uh, yeah. The reason why you don't have any of this sort of stuff in that game is, is he said that they wanted to make a game that is purely driven by curiosity. And I thought that is hmm. a very powerful argument. Because it's a very powerful argument. You're forced. You're forced to like when you consider progression in that in that game. It's not. I want to. I want to explore to get more powerful. It's like, nah, dog. You are exploring because literally that is the game. Mm -hmm. It is. It is the most honest version of exploration. It's you want to. Oh, there goes my light. Um, 
it, it it's you want to figure out what is happening in this world why is there a time loop and you're slowly mm. peeling back mystery after mystery and you and the only reason you're doing that is curiosity and i want that curiosity to to embody these games more i want you you to be curious as you're exploring an open world and that is that is a difficult thing to do when you're juggling so many different other mechanics outer wilds was yeah. able to do it because it's small and constrained yeah but breath of the wild is an example where, where that 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 can work and you can get a very polished game out of it now i want us to democratize <laughs> that and, and those that's what sort of the challenges that as a designer i really would like to dig into at some point in my career i really want to drive the emotion of exploration and discovery i want people to go on hikes that they did not know were so rewarding and emotional for them i think i i do think that just to say to pull on your statement where you said like it's more honest i do think it's more honest that kind of exploration but i also think it's incredibly hard like yes. incredibly hard to get the player a random player to want to explore where the like the rewards are just figuring out more about about your world like the onus then becomes so much on your world your world has to be so interesting or fascinating that it is it's compelling enough yeah whereas i do think that I don't find I don't think, I don't have any problems augmenting that need with some sort of gameplay mechanic because you know that's what games that's the RPG ideal as a whole right like the the whole genre of turn-based RPGs like turn-based fighting is extremely boring but if you mm -hmm. add the looting and items and stuff it becomes super interesting right so to, to be I like the idea of having something but I I do think that there is a like you can't be so reliant on the RPG yeah. mechanic because that's so like sterile yeah. and not fun <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to be clear uh, on, on that as well because because you do mention it. I, I don't I don't want these bigger open world games to to have the exploration be the only reward for it. But I, <laughs> but I I want yeah. to not. This is where it gets difficult again. Yeah yeah. Right. I want to not know what it is I'm gonna find. Right. Like I go back yeah. to to this image here, uh, yeah. of Valhalla. Right. Yeah. I don't know what's in the castle, but I know there's something yeah. there. Yeah. I want to go there. I want to have the challenge of discovering how to get there. I want to have the challenge of fighting whatever is in there. And mm -hmm. I want to find something that, that, that I wasn't ex expecting as a, as a reward, right? Mm -hmm. I want to have the experience where, where I go to... I'm not going to a shopping mall, right? And, <laughs> yeah, and getting yeah, yeah. the exact same thing. I don't want to look on yeah. my map and say, well, if I go here, yeah. I'll get a new weapon. I better go do yeah. that. And then have or, the... Ex <laughs> or, or I was going to say my experience is like like going to this thing and being amazed the first time and then realizing there's like 20 more of these exact same yeah. buildings. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, right? It, it's, if I I go and do a thing once and it's exciting, I go do it again and if I have to do the same sort of process, it's not exciting. Yeah. Breath of the Wild Towers, yeah. just like nine of them and you climb them all in different ways and they feel refreshing and unique. Yeah. I want I want that same sort of reaction to the rewards and I, and that's a hard thing, and that's where I hear work where Ghost of Tsushima stump again. I need to play this game in order to tell about it. So well, we're gonna find out. Is that gonna be your next game review? <laughs> Ghost yeah, of Tsushima? It, it, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely. I'm talk actually very about curious. That. I'm very curious about. But that. I do, I do hear that their problem is with the rewards, right? They got all these games have the pieces of, of an amazing <laughs> game, but they're yeah. all in different games. Ghost of Tsushima has the way you navigate the world without any UI, and you're getting there. But once you get there, you're doing the same thing, and you're getting rewards that don't feel worth it. Mm, that's sad all, all the good Hopefully. rewards all the good rewards are behind like the limited special like side quests and 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 mythical quests that are in, in that game apparently 
Oh, okay. The the actual exploration of that world doesn't feel very rewarding is the main complaint that I heard about it. Ooh, yeah, and it feels very it, rote. Yeah. And eventually it does populate your map and then you're just mm. checking boxes. Common open world problem. Common open world yeah. problem. But but the way you navigate through that world sounds Beautiful. amazing. And I yes, and I hope and I hope that really triggers that that sort of that 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 need to yeah. explore that that's in me. Or or hypothetically I want to also like, you know, throw out that these games can just not do open world because if yeah. like i would say that you need to do it well or don't do it or it's do it in so... a limited sense yeah like it's you don't need like, to exactly, make the yeah. biggest world you don't yes. need to make the biggest world yeah. like look at zelda like we we're talking about ocarina of time that was only like that was less than half of the game is open world Mo probably like 25 percent of that game was open world but mm -hmm. it added so much flavor and uniqueness to that particular like that changed the the Zelda franchise forever. Every game after that had an open world. Every game, right? So that's how important that aspect was. But I mean, I feel I feel that's always been their staple, even Link to the Past. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, I would say that that idea was even less like fleshed out until later until later on. Yeah, but yeah. I, even I guess the, the very side elements, game. right? Having characters yeah. who will tell you about something, and then you go and explore that part, and then there's something mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah, well, it definitely yeah, was more very fleshed out in, in, in Ocarina. There, there is a lot of content in Ocarina that is that is surprisingly like cinematic and important to to to, to the items you can acquire. That will like bottles. Getting bottles mm -hmm. in that game like changes <laughs> everything. <laughs> one thing that I would I would love to do at one point is um, like Ocarina of Time and a lot of Zelda games feel very cinematic. Um, even though they're very basic looking games, but I wanted to point out the camera work was so much better in those games, even for the moments where they like didn't uh, like for the moments where they decided to cut away, like the way that they framed everything and the music they, they generated was uh, actually really top tier. Whereas you look at some of the games nowadays, or even, you know, I hate to keep poking fun at that Devolver Direct is like they use very basic camera layouts. Mm -hmm. And people underestimate the power of cinematography. If you're trying to do a movie-like moment, the importance of your camera can't be st stated enough. Like, we work on, you know, Gears of War, and part, one of the biggest innovations in thinking Gears of War 6 was the camera work they used. Gears of War 6? Ge Gears of War... Sorry. <laughs> Gears 5. Sorry. My bad. My bad. I don't know. Gears of War 6. Talking about Assassin's Creed 6. That's <laughs> But Gears... Yeah, for the, for the latest Gears was the... the the change in camera that they use for um, all the cinematic scenes like it was and God of War too like all these games that you think about that are super cinematic there's a lot of hidden element in just how they showed the camera that really changed the feel of the the game mm -hmm. it's got a bit of a sidetrack but yeah <laughs> alright well that's enough about open world games we're starting oh. to get we're starting to sprawl a little bit just like an open so, yeah, world yeah, game yeah yeah we're, we're getting spreading a little thin yeah. talking about so we've been at this for like two hours normally we were gonna do like our little a little free time, but uh, what do you say we call it? Yeah, I think we're we're good. Caught all the content. I think that next week uh, we're gonna look at Ghost of Tsushima from you, possibly. Yeah, I'll I'll be playing it unless something else comes up. It sounds like it's a long game, like between be playing, twenty-five uh, to fifty hours. What are you going to be playing? I just uh, I downloaded Divinity Original Sin two. Oh, did you play the first mm, one? Yeah, I did. I played the first one. I liked it a lot. I had a lot of UI complaints, which they seem to have fixed in the second one. Nice. Which I'm very happy about. I, I, there are so many CRPGs that I would love to play, like Pillars of Eternity, 
Uh, I play Pillars. I think Divinity is better than Pillars, in my opinion. It did come after. Did come after. I think Divinity plays smoother. The writing is a little bit better. And man, the mods are so good. They're so good in Divinity Original Sin 2. Like, there's there's mods for everything. People made full classes because it's just D&D. And yeah. It's so much fun. Like, there's... Oh, I love it. I love the mods. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll play I'll play those games one day eventually, you know. They're... I love them because they're just... It just reminds me of, like, um, reading Lord of the Rings, you know? It's like... Yeah, I like those worlds. I like those worlds. I like those stories. <laughs> the voice acting is actually really, really good. I think that's one of the hardest. And the like I said, the writing is so important, mm-hmm. and the voice acting is so important. Um, and they nailed those things that I just oh, I'm having you know what it is? I'm just afraid to start them. I'm afraid to start them because I know they're long and they're difficult. And yeah, and, and, and I'm afraid and I'm gonna, can I'm be gonna stop. very difficult. Like Divinity is. Like strangely enough, one of the hardest like turn-based RPGs as yep. well. If you play on the hard mode, which I am, and I kind of regret it sometimes because it's a little too hard. Yeah, even the <laughs> like normal mode the... is is hard in that game. I heard. I yeah. started. I, I did start Divinity One, and then I restarted because I realized I made my character wrong. And then I and, like and then I and then I and then I caught up to where I was before, which wasn't that far in, which was like just an hour in, and then I stopped, and I'm like, I just Divinity. By the way, Divinity One. <laughs> It, it it was very very difficult for you to for a casual player to play mm-hmm. they didn't give you almost any hints as to what to do early on mm-hmm. and they didn't even have a proper quest tracker in terms mm-hmm. of like the quest tracker is literally a wall of text without spaces see but this is curiosity driven design i should like this yeah question mark it's that uh well this is the thing that they did in skyrim and all the other like a lot of other rpgs is that they had these novels that they would put around the world mm-hmm. and they had tons of lore in it. But dude, I'm not going to read a 50 page novel inside a game that I'm playing right now. Squinting at your <laughs> monitor. Just like, <laughs> yeah. and then Viandrfell went all the way to the Northland land. And then what, where am I supposed to go? Where am I going? What is going on here? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I did. Like another thing for Fallout is I love that they give you the audio tracks instead and you can just play them. Like as your listening, and as well. Yeah, you can just listening to your, your post-apocalypse doomsday podcast while you're roaming <laughs> yeah. the wastelands. It's great, and I, I remember they had like the post-apocalypse radio station too. That that guy, that was a part of our oh, yeah. story. Three dog. Can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all I'm playing right now. That's pretty much it. Cool. Well, let's reconvene at the same time next week then. All right. Actually, possibly uh, Wednesday or Monday next week. I think uh, I might have a, uh, a scheduling conflict, but uh, right. You're doing your you know. your hacky stuff. My hacky stuff. stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So everyone, thank you for watching. Send us mails if you got them. Uh, thank you, Agent Challenge, for the music. Everyone else, take care of yourselves. Take care of each okay. other, and we'll see you next time beyond the pixel.